Alright, and welcome to another episode of Observe and Report. Uh, we are your hosts, sitting across from me, Jack Smith. Hello. And I am Jason Simmons, and we are the observers, we're the reporters, we watch the things and we tell you about how we feel about them. And this week we have got a lot, because it's been a while since we've seen each other. So much. <laughs> so much and unhealthy amount. It's ridiculous. So let's get into it. Oh my god, I've seen so many things. Um, what have you seen? I'll start off with you. What What do you see? What do you What do you want to talk about? So the first thing I watched because I love a dumb British mystery, Jason. Uh huh. Now I'm going to alter the game slightly. So the name of the thing I watched was called the ABC Murders. ABC Murders. Okay, this sounds like it's a historical, fi- not fictional thing. Yeah, no, it's fiction. Oh, okay, all right. Um, it's based on uh, an Agatha Christie novel. Of course. <laughs> um, now, it's a British show <laughs> based on an Agatha Christie novel. Um, it's her Hercule Poirot. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, so who do you think would be the actor to play Poirot? For a second, I thought you said her cool poro <laughs> like i guess she he is her cool poro for well, her cool <laughs> i would say her cool they say her well i can't do it because i can't do an accent they say the you different they say the you differently mm-hmm. i just say her cool okay her cool poro who do i'm I th- just going to go with poro <laughs> cuz it's safer <laughs> um, who do i think they got to play him yes it's- in the world of actors in the world of like middle-aged uh or like a little bit older Mm -hmm. uh white guy actors who would make sense to play poro you would get someone like a kenneth Branagh to play poro as he did in like uh you know uh murder on orient express but i want to say they got steve coogan (laughs) (laughs) (coughs) no jason they went with the obvious choice john malkovich the creepiest tall man exists. Okay. I was like, wait, what? John Malkovich? And like, he's so miserable the whole time. And I don't think it's a character choice. I think he was just like, why did my agent sign me up for this? What am I doing here? What's happening? Um, he, uh, uh, the other person in it uh, is Rupert Grint. Oh, okay. All right. And it's really weird seeing him play an adult. Is what kind of role is he playing in it? He's playing uh like a inspector, like a police officer or detective guy. Interesting. It feels like he just gravitates to playing like dirtbags <laughs> like post Harry Potter. He he looks exhausted. <laughs> he both of them are just both so like <sighs> like they look like they've run out of all energy. Mm-hmm. And hope, almost as if Dementors came in and sucked the (laughs) happiness out of their lives. Like, is it evident, like, that's what they're supposed to feel like? Or, because I know Poirot as a character is, like, very exacting and, like, you know, to the point and driven. So, in this particular version, um, I mean, I guess he's always older, but... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if he's supposed to be as sad as he seems. Mm-hmm. But that was the general vibe I was getting. Okay. Um, and so in the plot of it being that um, the killer, there's a 
serial killer who's sending Poirot letters. Okay. Kind of teasing him. And he kills people like with an A name in a town or village or whatever that begins with an A. Mm-hmm. Then he does B's, then C's. Oh. Um, it's been tough when he got to around like X. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a village <laughs> called Xylophone anywhere? <laughs> Crap. He doesn't get that far. Um, so, yeah, that's the plot. It, okay. It, there wasn't much to say other than how hilarious it is that John Malkovich is playing Poirot in a <laughs> British series. It was ridiculous. Does he do an accent at all? He does. Okay. Uh, you know. <laughs> it's, I'm not good at Unless an accent is really bad, I don't think I'm good at saying whether one is really good or not. Mm-hmm. It probably wasn't the worst. Right. Okay. Okay. It was. It was okay. I um, mean, I have more things to say about accents later on for a particular actor. Oh, excellent. But <laughs> it Our w- accent lit. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> um, super gross. <laughs> I'm sorry. But any more on the uh, ABCs of murder? Nope. What else you got? <laughs> okay. Um, I watched Turn Up Charlie on Netflix. Oh, yeah. Uh, Turn Up Charlie, the new series on Netflix uh, featuring Idris Elba. Uh, the plot of it being that he is a DJ down his luck who was once a famous DJ in the 90s um, and has fallen from grace and is living in his aunt's attic. Oh, um, no. Doing weddings and birthday parties, trying to, like, you know, make ends meet. And he gets the opportunity to, like, you know, a shot at the top again uh, when he becomes the nanny to a friend of his from grade school uh, to his daughter, essentially. And it is a weird plot that feels like this is a movie from the 80s (laughs) (laughs) in the whole, like, taking care of the kid thing. But you know that it's a very much a passion project for Edris Elba because, like, he loves music and is an actual DJ. And he has lived all of his dreams DJ, kickboxer, actor, <laughs> rapper, R&B singer. <laughs> like, save some dreams for the rest of us. <laughs> Don't be Chadwick Boseman and steal everyone's dreams, <laughs> okay? I see you still have it out for Chadwick. Good to you know. can't be everybody. <laughs> um, but no, it's uh, it's really good. There's a, a pretty good cast um, in uh, Idris Elba, Piper Parabo playing the mother of the child oh, okay. that he's uh, taking care of. And like, I've not seen her in much in no. a while, Mm-mm. but she looks pretty much the same. Like, oh, oh it's been a long time since Coyote Ugly, but there you are. I think she was on a, sh- I want to say she was on a show on like FX or USA or something, but a while ago. I feel like that's the Because of case. course I would know that. No, that feels about right. I don't know which one, <laughs> though. Um... And the kid being played by uh, Frankie Curry. Um, And yeah, it's just fun. It is fun. The music in it is good. Um, They show you around East London a whole bunch. um, And also they go to Ibiza very quickly and just show you like the club scene there. Um, Idris Elba's... A scene I would otherwise never know. (laughs) (laughs) It made Ibiza seem like kind of fun and also kind of gross. Sounds about right. (laughs) Um... But and also very funny that not funny, but I guess that's the correct pronunciation. Everyone in the show keeps calling Ibiza Ibiza. Yeah. Um, it's like, all right, we get it. It's Europe. You're British. It's Spain. <laughs> it's fine. But um, no, the show's a lot of fun. The music's very good in it. Um, you do. I felt like you know I really wanted Edris Elba to succeed and like you know 
do well for himself because like his character is like you know a bit of a failure and he knows it but like but it's the lies that he's putting up to like kind of defend that like his parents call him like every week from nigeria just saying like how are you doing like you know how's everything going with the music business he'll, he'll put up like his gold record behind him Aww. and like a shirt and tie yeah. and like you know video chat with them acting like he's a record exec but in reality he's like you know he's not wearing any pants right he's not wearing any <laughs> pants at all it's like i gotta go help my aunt out her community garden Aww. and it's just yeah it's like you you want him to just be like, well, if you just change your values a little bit, like this or would be a fine life. A male model. <laughs> Have you seen yourself in the mirror? You're beautiful. Uh. Um, but and yeah. it's a comedy. It is a comedy. It is 100 percent a comedy. And he, is he funny? He is funny. Um, oh, he has it all. <laughs> Um, he is generally the person to whom things are happening, mm-hmm. or it's just like, oh man, you're being really put upon in this scene, and it's not working well with you, and I like it. Um, but there are moments where you do really feel for him, you know, as a character. There's some dramatic turns that happen, and it's well done, and it's not long. It's only eight episodes, so mm-hmm. very much a bingeable thing if you're looking to like just down something really quickly. Half hour episodes. Half hour episodes. Oh, nice. So okay. not a lengthy project at all. Um, but I do recommend it. Uh, Turn Up Charlie was a lot of fun. Nice. Um, I watched, of course, another British thing, because that's all I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I saw the trailer in theaters, I immediately began crying. Um, I watched Christopher Robin with um Neil Oh, Breger. how was that? It was fine. It was cute. Okay. Um, I feel like I got panned by critics and whatnot. Well, there were two, like it always happens, a real prestige situation mm-hmm. Where they have two movies that are pretty much the same coming out at the same time. Okay. Wait, it was Prestige and what was the other magician? Prestige movie? and the Illusionist. Ugh, fucking yeah. I've got a Prestige situation as well going on. Oh, <laughs> later on too. So much similarity what we watch. Um, and so as soon as I heard the voice, um, of Winnie the Pooh, which like I liked when I was little, mm-hmm. but I wasn't like obsessed with. Mm-hmm. But man, as soon as I heard it. In the theater, when I saw the preview for it, I just started crying. <laughs> it hit some kind of weird, childish thing in me, and it got me. Um, and I cried many times oh, throughout this movie. Um, and, like, it's predictable, um, but it was fine. Um, there was a lot of uh, people and voices that you would recognize. Um, Haley Atwell is in it, playing Ewan McGregor's wife. Um, Mark Gaddis, who's in Sherlock. Um, did you watch Sherlock? I've seen quite a bit of it. Um, it he plays Sherlock's older brother. Oh, okay, yes. Mycroft. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, that totally normal name, Mycroft. <laughs> <laughs> um, Brad Garrett plays Eeyore, which I didn't realize. He's been playing Eeyore for quite some time, really? for about 20 years now or something like really? that. He's been the it voice of Eeyore. totally makes sense. <laughs> I love that he's just riding along in that Eeyore... <laughs> Ray Romano money. He's got an extensive voice acting career, Bra- Brad it. Garrett. He's a great voice. <laughs> yeah. Um, Peter Capaldi was the rabbit. Really? Um, Toby Jones huh. is Owl. Um, Sophie Okonedo is Kanga. Do okay. Know? I don't know who she is. Um, I want to take a look right now. Yeah. Um, I think you'll recognize her. But um, yeah, it was, it was cute and sweet and predictable but lovely. Um, oh, I I know who she is. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was good. 
basically the plot is that um, Ewan McGregor, he works too much and he's neglecting his family. Mm-hmm. Um, so Winnie but- the Pooh helps him kind of get back to his having fun and, you know, prioritizing the right things in life. Blah, it blah, blah, very blah. much seemed like Hook in, like, its advertisement. Yeah, kind of. Okay. That makes sense. That's a good comparison. Yeah. Like, where he kind of brings him back to, like, you know, hey, here's the things that you loved and, like, what made you you when you were younger. Exactly. Okay. Um, minus the awesome food fight scene. <laughs> that was great. Like, all that food at the same time seemed inedible, but I wanted to eat all of it in that hook yeah, food course. fight scene. The, the colors were so pretty. Like, oh, that's toxic, but <laughs> that's just Play-Doh. <laughs> I want to eat it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> what else you got? Um, I also watched uh, Shrill on Hulu. On Hulu. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say hoo That's not a real thing. <laughs> um, we could make it one. <laughs> um, watch Trill on Hulu. Um, it was hilarious and painful. <laughs> um, Jason, I started to watch the first episode. I think I got halfway through it, and it was it hit too close to home, and I couldn't keep watching it, even though I want to. And I support AD Bryan and everything that she does. I was like, oh, God, this is so real. Yeah. And I couldn't do it. Like, uh, AD Bryan is awesome, but she's in, like, situations I think way too many people are in insofar as like shitty relationships mm-hmm. and like a job that doesn't value you enough and just having these cornerstone difficulties in life um but she's just working through it and going through life like in watching it it felt like oh this is like girls but i really like the protagonist a likable protagonist <laughs> and situations it's more real yeah situations yeah. that feel a lot more relatable um and it's just weird seeing A.D. Bryant as, as like the straight man in every scene. It's kind of like just being the the normal person right. and everyone else is like kind of bouncing off the walls. Um, it was surprising because I was like, oh, when did he even get the time to film this? Because as, as an SNL person, you're always oh, yeah. working. Must have been over the summer. I was looking into it. They did do it over the summer from like July into like September. Okay. Um, and Lauren Michaels is a producer on it. Elizabeth oh, Banks nice. is a producer on it. Who? Uh, Elizabeth Banks. Oh, no way. That's yeah, awesome. Surprising, right? Like, um... And yeah, like Eddie Bryant's like a writer, a producer on the show. She's doing everything there. Wow. Um, and it, I didn't know that it was based off of a book. Yeah, I didn't realize that either until like a week or so ago. Yeah, called Shrill uh, Notes from a Loud Woman by uh, Lindy West. Um, yeah, it's the show's really good. Eddie Bryant plays a uh, a writer for a newspaper, um, or someone that's trying to be a writer for a newspaper at least. Like they kind of have her just doing calendar and like you know food reviews. Um, but she kind of takes it to task and like goes like, I want to go to the strip club buffet and nice. r- uh, review that. And it's hilarious. <laughs> and it becomes like a huge successful article. Um, and she's dating a guy that is just a trash person. Oh, he sucks. So bad. <laughs> and like, he doesn't treat her like they're actually in a relationship. And like, he is, has sleeping around with other girls and like, you know, has a kid elsewhere in the world. And it's just like, why are you with this? That's the biggest question. I think logically for me watching the show is just like, why does she continue to put up with this human being? Which I feel like so many people do. Yes. And like women and men both. Yeah, that is true. And then that's the painful thing about it. Cause like, You've, you've you've probably been through something like this and watching this like ooh yeah, I'm sucks. seeing similarities, <laughs> yeah. um but yeah it was just good and painful but also a good kind of pain where it's like by watching it you kind of feel like you're going through something yourself and getting over something yourself nice yeah um I watched um a most wanted man a most wanted man uh, it's with Philip Seymour Hoffman and Daniel Bruhl 
I watched a couple of things with Daniel Bruhl. Oh, he's everywhere. <laughs> In this one, he was not a Nazi, which is great. Um, it has Rachel McAdams, Willem Dafoe. Um, it's got quite a cast. Go on. I'm interested. I'm, I feel like I've heard the title, but I do not know this movie. Um, it came out in 2014. Um, it was just randomly on like Amazon Prime or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's based on a Le Carre novel. Okay. Spy novel. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman was the only one who could do a decent German accent. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel McAdams, you're beautiful, but you're not great at accents. Even Daniel Bruhl, noted German actor. Oh, no, he was fine. He, okay. did, he had a very small role in it. Okay. I was going to say, like, Daniel, where are you from? <laughs> <laughs> He's randomly doing, like, a New York accent. <laughs> um, so, Philip Seymour is based in Hamburg, um, and this Chechen... Um, Muslim guy illegally immigrates into Hamburg and um, Philip Seymour Hoffman is a German spy who um, kind of there's a couple storylines but he suspects that this very well regarded um, Muslim scholar and philanthropist is actually funding terrorists he's doing a lot of good stuff but also this bad stuff on the side okay um, so Philip Seymour Hoffman kind of uses the immigrant who's trying to claim an inheritance to trap the Muslim philanthropist guy. It sounds random, but when you watch the movie, I swear it makes sense. What is this set exactly? Huh? When is Modern it? day. Modern day. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so Philip Seymour Hoffman and Daniel Bruhl are both spies. And when I say spy, I don't mean like running around cool spy. It's just like sitting in an office spy or just kind of surveillance by uh-huh. it's not like it's i feel like it's much more grounded they're not taking on secret identities and like you know yeah. doing stakeouts or things like that it's just what we consider a spy today by today's standards i right. guess okay yeah um they're not james bond in it okay <laughs> <laughs> um rachel mcadams uh plays a uh, human rights lawyer okay who's helping uh the chechen guy and uh robin wright is um she's an american spy um and i forgot what willem dafoe is just being Uh, creepy (laughs) (laughs) um oh no he has lots of nice suits he works (laughs) (laughs) he i was like oh damn those are nice suits you're supposed to be a very rich guy in this movie um he works for a bank um i think it's a bank that's uh i guess his father had had some shady dealings Mm -hmm. he's trying to not be as shady but he still is um so he has he's kind of forced to help out philip seymour hoffman Mm -hmm. um i would definitely recommend it it's really good um it assumes that its audience is intelligent and will kind of figure it out which I like. What would you say is like the overall feel of it as like it's a tense thriller or more of just like a, an unfolding mystery? Um, it's a tense drama. Okay. Yeah. Um, but it moves along. I, yeah, it was really great. Cause all right. I, you kind of have to put it all together as it goes along. Oh, so like they're not to say that, you know, there's a huge twist or anything like that, or they're leaving clues throughout, but it's like, if you're paying attention here and we trust that you are, yeah. you, this will pay off later on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and Philip Seymour Hoffman's just so 
phenomenal. And um, I imagine that's one of his last roles, right? Because yeah, he passed so. away in like 2014 or something like that. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, but he was great in it. Um, and it was very, I think, kind of realistic of how things are done. Maybe. <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> or would I? Hmm. Uh, I what? Wouldn't. Don't I know? What is this a cover for? <laughs> what are the coded messages in this podcast? Listen, and maybe you'll find out something that I should know. Um, but yeah, it was really great. Um, it was just kind of a random watch for me just because um, Philip Seymour Hoffman was in it. So I was like, yeah, I'll watch it. All right. I didn't even realize it was uh, based on a Le Carre novel. Um but I highly recommend it. Okay. It was really great. Cool. Um, one thing that I want to talk about, but I feel I've not talked about for the last two episodes we've recorded for, um, Russian Doll. I saw it a while ago. Oh, yeah. I really enjoyed it. Um, I just have not talked about it because I forgot to. Um, featuring Natasha uh, Leon. Um, it's really good. Um, it takes the whole uh, Groundhog's Day formula and is able to play with that over the course of like 10 episodes um, of the situation where she keeps, you know, dying in mundane to horrible ways <laughs> again and again, although they don't show you every death that happens because it'd be kind of gruesome if they did. But, um, and she's trying to figure out the pattern as to why this is happening to her. What has she done? What is causing all this? But at the same time, like, you know, kind of uncovering truths about herself that have long since been hitting since she was a kid. Um, and at the same time, it's happening to uh, someone that she doesn't even know across town. Like, you know, the same situation of them dying, coming back to life. And they finally meet up together and try to figure out what is happening to us and how do we break the cycle. But unlike Hogs Day, where it seems like unlimited continues, like, you know, to come back and back and back and back again, with them in their situation, it's more like, oh, things are going wrong. Like, things are being, like, deleted from the world that we knew. So, like, Ooh. friends of ours are just missing when we come back. Like, things in our apartments are just rearranged or just not there. Weird. Like, fruit is, like, rotting, but everything else is staying the same. <laughs> <laughs> what a weird conundrum. Yeah. But my bananas. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Um, and The bananas were the first clue. <laughs> Kind of, yes. There are fun things to look for in each episode where it's like, what's different in this scene? You've seen this scene eight times now across five episodes. Can you as a viewer figure out what's wrong? Um, so I think it's definitely worth, you know, after watching again, or rewatch, just like kind of pick things out like, oh, that's There are eight a weird differences thing. in these two scenes. Yes. Pick them out. It's like the back of a Highlights magazine. I was say, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's very fun and funny and also dramatic there's some very good points of drama throughout the series um and by the end of it you i was just rooting for these characters i just want them to, i want them to survive <laughs> i want I them to exist say, do you like her character in it is she a likable yes. character okay, um cool. her character is very abrasive oh okay but <laughs> um you do learn to like just to, to love this character and really like you know have her back and okay. want her to succeed as well as like her counterpart um whose name i can't remember right now but he is also like equally they're as opposite as two individuals can be insofar as personality where he's very passive uh, and plans everything very much going with like you know the ordered set plan well she's more of a free spirit like fuck it any you know whatever like tomorrow's just another day and see, or is it though? and again that's a big question like is it like we kind of have to figure this out because it seems like things are going wrong and things are breaking down and whatever it is we might not come back hmm. um so seeing them find each other and then like figure out what's going on in the world is like a really fun adventure um and again a relatively short experience um 30 minute episodes um 10 episodes overall 
So very digestible. I don't know if there'll be like a second season because be my next it really wraps itself up very nicely. That's I, cool. I can only see them doing it with new characters. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it when I saw it. I, everyone I know who has seen it um, has really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. What is... Have I seen Natasha Leone in anything else? Uh, if you've seen Orange is the New Black no. or um, Slums of Beverly Hills... Um, nope. Oh, you've seen American Pie, maybe? Nope. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, didn't, didn't really interest me. <laughs> I got the gist of it, you know, when it came out. So I was like, I'm good. Which was weird because, like, Orange is New Black Stars is a weird American Pie reunion for, like, three characters or whatever. Yeah. From It's weird. I was like, is there a cast and director sharing between these two things? <laughs> um, but what else was she in? Uh, but I'm a cheerleader. Uh, she's done quite a few things. She's dating fred armerson now not that you've seen that but <laughs> honestly of all the things that you said that would be the most likely way that i would have known her um because i do find his dating life very interesting um that's sincere because he's had such a weird dating life i guess but, so um, and it sounds like he's not great to be in a relationship with mm-hmm. and he's also older than most people think he is yeah <laughs> um but Okay, interesting. <laughs> Just some places you may have seen Natasha Leone. Natasha Leone. That's been our Natasha Leone update. <laughs> How's she doing? Okay. Um, but anyway. You what treat else? her good, Fred. <laughs> you son of a bitch. You treat that charcoal voice vixen fine, all right? Um, but go ahead. What else have you seen? Uh, next up, um, I watched, because I was on a bunch of planes, um, I watched Girl in the Spider's Web. Oh, okay. Which I feel like was only in theaters for a hot minute. Did and, that come out? Cause I remember or seeing... maybe it didn't. Maybe it just went straight to video. Because I saw trailers for it in theaters and thinking like, oh, cool. Like that girl's going to do more things with insects. But... <laughs> <laughs> but it didn't. I thought it hadn't come out yet. I think it it didn't or it was like a straight to video entirely possible tell me what happened also i love the look of astonishment on your face and you were just like what what (laughs) how did this happen i have alerts set on my phone (laughs) when that girl plays that spider's web okay (laughs) what did elizabeth sander do this time (laughs) oh sorry i'm still sick um so um unlike the previous movie the girl mm-hmm. with the dragon tattoo though she still has that tattoo okay um it centers more on lisbeth salander than it does on uh mikhail blomquist i believe his name the daniel craig character mm-hmm. he is very much just kind of a side character in this movie it very much centers on her does daniel craig return or no sadly no i feel like no one came back from that first movie uh yeah nope Okay. All um, right. <laughs> it's just some random guy. <laughs> I don't recognize him from anything. Um, but it has, I didn't realize who else was in it. Um, it has Lakeith Stanfield. Oh, okay. Who wears the hell of, out of this corduroy suit, Jason? I was like, oh, Lakeith. You know He's a guy that could wear the hell out of a corduroy suit. Oh I my believe God. that. He's so handsome. Um, and then Stephen Merchant. Huh. Yeah. He's popping up in the weirdest places doing like cool things. I love it. Um, so the plot is that uh, Steve Merchant is a Swedish guy um, who builds some, I don't know, you know how whenever they involve like computers and shit mm-hmm. in movies, it's just kind of a very general thing. He's probably colliding hadrons or something <laughs> like that. Who knows? Um, 
But well, I can believe Stephen Merchant as a tall Swedish man. Right? It's, per- <laughs> it's perfect. Casting. He's so pale and blonde. Glasses. It's great. Um, so he builds this computer program that I think the deal is that it can breach any country's missile defense system. You okay. know, just one of those programs that does that. Yep. Zeros and ones, baby. Um, so he sells it to the Americans. Um, but then he greatly regrets that because why would you do that to with Americans? It's a terrible idea. <laughs> um and so then he hires Elizabeth to um, get steal it back from the Americans. Okay. Um, and then the Keith Stanfield works for the NSA, and he uh, was like in charge of that program. Mm-hmm. So when it gets stolen, uh, he goes, "Oh no!" And he goes to Sweden to try to like track it down and get it back. He also used to be like uh, hardcore. Uh, army-ish type guy so he also has other skills okay um yeah i don't know how those things happen but he's good at gun stuff also (laughs) 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 you know i want that on his resume good at gun stuff gun stuff (laughs) under miscellaneous (laughs) miscellaneous skills um uh claire foy plays um the the old girl with the dragon tattoo okay um and uh yeah it has um oh and cameron Britton, he's popping up in all sorts of stuff uh who plays um um he's in oh lord if i don't write it down <laughs> i don't have it he's in the umbrella academy okay as the big assassin guy oh right 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 yes of course as uh not cha-cha no that cha-cha is mary j blige and who is he again (sighs) what how samba no (laughs) i know his name um so he's in this he plays a character you're gonna love this Mm -hmm. he's a computer guy so you know what his name is plague because of course it is yes (laughs) (laughs) hack the planet okay um (laughs) And so he helps out Claire Foy. Hazel was his name. Hazel. It's hard to remember a name like Hazel when you get Cha-Cha. It's <laughs> the best. Um, and so, so yeah. So then she steals it. I don't think it's um, spoiling anything, but someone takes it back from her. Okay. And tries to like kill her. And so it's her going after them. And she has a past where she tries to just help out women or been like abused or whatever. Oh yeah, like that's a big thing about that character. Um and then there's also stuff with her dad and her sister. It's it's not it was enough to entertain me on a plane. Okay. <laughs> but um it's a little weird with the whole sister father thing. Okay. It's a little far fetched. And I guess the web that she plays with is the world wide web. Because oh, boy. of hacking, I I figured it out. <laughs> I'm I'm good at this. You're so good at symbolism. <laughs> um, I think there was actually something else to do with. I think there are people in there who have like a spider tattoo. Like like Elizabeth. She doesn't, but some of the bad guys do. Oh, so perhaps leading to the next film, where in which she may be related to these folks. In some way, I can't form. remember what the name of the next book was in the series. Hornet's Nest? Girl, they kicked the Hornet's Nest? There you go. Okay. You're really into the... <laughs> <laughs> You're really into these, man. 
you're really into the insect theme. All right. Yeah, you're right. She's doing weird things with insects and maybe someone should stop her. I don't know. <laughs> but um, no, I whatever they do, if they intend to make more of these, they have to come out quicker than like I doubt they 10 will years. because this one didn't get much fanfare. The fact that it's already on planes, like didn't even go straight to DVD, went straight to planes, <laughs> is not a good sign. And given the cast, it feels like, you know, this should have been something that was in theaters and better advertised. It wasn't, it certainly wasn't bad. It mm-hmm. didn't deserve their, God knows there are many more movies that deserve to go straight to planes <laughs> as opposed to... This one, like this, it was fine. Okay. It was a perfectly just whatever movie. Middle of the road yeah. action web thriller. Yep. Okay. <sighs> I'm disappointed. I don't know. I will, I'll I try to check like it out. I feel like you were kind of excited for it. A little bit. Like, because there was so much buzz around the first movie and it was like well reviewed and well received. <laughs> I didn't intend that. But <laughs> and then like, you know, hell, we'll just take, you know, six years off. And then like, well, okay, what's the next one coming? The planes. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that's not a good sign. Yeah. I mean, Claire Foy was fine in it. She did a good job. Okay. So, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um... Another thing that I checked out um, yes. that completed was uh, Love, Death, and Robots on Netflix. Oh, yeah. Um, it's really good. Um, Love, Death, and Robots being this anthology series of uh, animated shorts um, about a theme of just love, death, and robots, essentially. Um, being anywhere from six-minute to 18-minute shorts um, directed and developed by, like, amazing animation studios that don't get the opportunity to make long form things oh, um, different animation studios yeah so each of them looks different for the most part most of them look different there are a few oh. that were done by the same animation studio okay um blur studios they are primarily known for like doing cutscenes or video games okay um but they did all the test footage for deadpool that got it made into a movie oh wow um the leaked quote-unquote leaked footage yeah. that happened um but it is definitely like supposed to be an heir to the animated anthology series heavy metal um, which was a similar thing. You know, we're going to set these things. It's science fiction animated uh, shorts um, with mature content in them. Okay. Um, a lot of these things feel like they're written by 17-year-old boys. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the execution of the animation is so good that the base plot elements... You'll forgive them a little bit. You forgive them. Okay. Um, you forgive it and the fact that um, the writing of the actual dialogue is good enough where it's like, oh, this is actually engaging and interesting. Um, anything from a short involving three robots at the end of the world just like touring the ruins of humanity and like a funny short featuring the voices of Chris Parnell oh. um, just discussing, oh, this is what humans used to do for fun and walking around and like kind of like tourists and then they encounter cats. And like, oh, this is the only things left of like a human society, cats. Mm-mm-mm. And like, wonder why they wonder why there's just cats left. And then the cat speaks, like, oh, they gave us a puzzle thumbs, and it was just all over for humans. <laughs> um, there's another episode of just like, this is what happened when yogurt took over the world. Um, and then there's other episodes where it's like, oh, this is the story of a uh, of two salesmen in the desert that encounter like you know this beautiful rendition of just sea creatures and sea life you know that existed on the desert floor that when it was an ocean floor millions of years ago mm-hmm. and yeah some of the animation is really breathtaking and very impressive and you're just like wow this i would watch a movie of this but that's the thing people don't watch movies of this which is mm-hmm. why it's here in this short format um and because of the short format of it 
you find yourself like, wow, I just killed eight episodes of this thing, like in one sitting, because each episode's like, you know, no longer than 15 minutes, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like this may introduce for Netflix, like a new idea of like micro binging almost, mm. where it's like you can take down like a large amount of content that's very different from like the previous thing you saw, but you're still within the same realm of like Netflix. You didn't leave or go anywhere. You didn't like turn the TV off. You were still there for watching 10 episodes of a thing. And it only took you an hour to do that. Um, but yeah, it was really good. Um, and that's kind of all I would say about it. A friend of mine told me that it was kind of gory. It is very gory. Uh, in some points, not every episode. Every, okay. Like there are a few episodes where it's just like, oh, this is like very bloody. Um, a lot of nudity in some instances. Ooh. Um, of all genders. Um, but overall one thing was interesting though in its presentation to people um they don't they have not done this anymore um since they were called out on it but the episodes were not presented in the same format to everyone that watched it so Mm -hmm. there is like a list of episodes right episodes one through like 17 Mm -hmm. but let's say you and i both watch a series Mm -hmm. it may start on episode six for me it may start on episode 10 for you and the reason was doing that was based on the netflix algorithm Mm -hmm. um so the way that Netflix works in presenting, like, you know, what we see there and what they offers you to watch is like, oh, because you watch this and like this, this is mm-hmm. what we're offering to you. Now they were doing it with this. Oh, because you watch these things and like these things, we're going to present these episodes to you in this format because oh. we think that you may like it like this. Based on you watching Death Comes to Pemberley. Yes. <laughs> like, we may give you one that has way more British voice actors gotcha. than anything else interesting yeah so you seem like you did not like that i was interested by it um but they stopped doing it because they were like hey don't look into me and present my stuff to me like that is what people did on the internet and netflix was like okay you got us we'll stop but i mean who cares because i think it was reading more into gender than anything else oh and people didn't like that apparently that's fair um so yeah that's that was love, death, and rope. <laughs> so, like, if they thought that their the viewer was female, they might present different yeah. ones first. Wow, that's nuts. And it's interesting that they decided to launch that kind of like algorithmic organization because one, they could do it because it doesn't have to be in any particular order, mm-hmm. and also because like the whole idea of like you know technology being very much a through line yeah. to the series, like oh. Please don't do this to us anymore. <laughs> yeah. Because I guess the idea is, like, if it worked with this, we might just try this for the next season of Black Mirror. Like, who knows what order it could be in. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, did you find that the ones that were presented to you first were... By the time I started watching it... It, didn't, it wasn't the They, they took the algorithm thing off. So it was just like, oh, okay. Like... That's crazy that it's just kind of, I'm sure it's more than just flipping a switch, but mm-hmm. like, that they can just be like, okay, we'll turn it off. <laughs> what? If someone feels, just hits a button, like, and eh, we're shutting that down. That'd be right. like something that would take like a week to figure out at least with yeah. all hands on deck, but it's just like, oh, you got us. <laughs> like, they knew it was coming at some point. Huh. Or maybe something that they've been testing for a while, and this is like the first wide release of that. So who knows? Um, I will say that my favorite part in. Um, girl what was it oh in the spider's web mm-hmm. um is when lakeith stanfield um realizes that the program is being taken from him he runs into this room and it's people on computers and stuff and there are big servers and there's like an emergency button and he has to run and hit the emergency button and it, like mm-hmm. turns everything off 
and everyone's like, oh, come on. Mm-hmm. The idea that there's just one big red button <laughs> that you can hit thrilled me to no end. It's so dumb, but maybe it's real. Maybe. I don't know how Isn't computers work. A kill switch, perhaps? A kill switch for, like, government shit? With dudes, like, plague out there? Listen. You gotta be ready. <laughs> he's ready. He's ready to take you down. <laughs> so I guess that you need that? Absolutely. I don't know. It was great. It made me very happy. <laughs> Um, okay, next. Mm -hmm. I watched, um, I think like half of The Favorite. Oh, okay. Um, it's Olivia Coleman, Rachel Weisz, and Mm -hmm. Emma Stone. Nominated for all the things. All the things. And I was so ready to love it, both because of the actresses involved. I think all of them are great. Um, especially Olivia Coleman and Emma Stone. There's some faves of mine. Mm -hmm. Um, and like I clearly enjoy historical dramas, um, and it looked funny, but I only got through like half of it. I just was not into it. Okay. Granted, again, I was on a plane, mm-hmm. and that's not really a typical plane movie. Right. But I imagine sitting at home watching it, and I think I would have felt the same way. Okay. What well, What took you out of it? Do you think? Um, I think I just wasn't interested in the plot to be honest um olivia coleman plays queen anne rachel weiss plays uh, lady sarah who's her like right hand man mm-hmm. um and then uh emma stone's character abigail comes in um and she starts to befriend the queen rachel weiss gets very jealous and annoyed because she and the queen are also lovers oh right. um and then emma stone sleeps with her and so they just start kind of, um, even though they start off friendly now, um, they like hate each other and they're rivals. And I just, um, oh, I have half an hour of it left, so I'm watching over half of it. But I guess that kind of plot seemed, is kind of tiresome to me. Like the whole, <gasps> I just realized what it was. I don't care about love, Jason. <laughs> That's it. I don't care. Oh, why like did it take me so long? betrayal. Ugh, whatever. Yeah, I don't care. I forgot. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> I expected to like it. Maybe it's because also I expected it to be more of a comedy, but it's kind of more of a drama. Okay. Um, With some funny parts to it. Okay. But so it's a drama and the whole like love thing I don't care about. So I think that combination, I was just not really feeling it. Okay. Um, even though all the performances are great, Rachel Weiss actually in particular, um, she plays a character who's very smart um, and manipulative, um, and she's great. She's I really thought she was a standout in it, um, but yeah, it just didn't do much for me because, because I have a cold dead heart. <laughs> it was interesting, and so far as the nominations of things, because it seemed like Rachel Weiss and Emma Stone have way more screen time than Olivia Coleman herself. Um, because it feels like everything is about their rivalry. So yeah. I, I would just imagine that Olivia Coleman doesn't get as much time as the other two would. Um, she does. I mean, yeah, she's maybe in it a little bit less, but not that much. Okay. Um, and also, like from when I heard about the movie, that it's like pretty anachronistic, insofar as like, oh, like here's a scene where people are kind of breakdancing, or a scene where um. Or just like there are people of color, you know, set in this time when like that wasn't the case. 
Um, I don't know that I noticed it. If so, everyone looked pretty white to me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think. Um, yeah, no, I don't. I think there was a point when they were dancing and I was like, that's not how they dance. <laughs> I've seen Death Comes to Pemberley and Pride and Prejudice. I don't think that's how they danced. At most, they like held hands for a second. Um, but who knows? Maybe in the last half an hour, something changes and they break dance. I don't know. Okay. Um, but it, if you like dramas, I'm sure it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just wasn't for me. And okay. I don't think I'll finish it. All right. Um, one thing I watched on Netflix uh, was Losers, um, which is like a, a documentary series. Um, I'm not sure how many episodes there are. I've gotten through a couple, but um, it focuses on people who are at the height of their, you know, career as an athlete and what happens after they lost, like after mm. they were became a disgrace. Kind of. Mm. Um, the first episode is very good uh, and definitely hooks into the rest of the series. Um, focuses on Michael Bennett. Uh, who was a world champion boxer Wow. Um, that never intended to do that. Like he starts out as a, they document him as a kid and it's interspersed with like, you know, animation um, showing like, you know, uh, the scenes from the past that they don't have access to necessarily. Um, but he starts out as a kid in Queens, you know, and just didn't really care for boxing, never wanted to do it. His dad just kind of forcing him into it. Um, and then by the time that he, he only goes pro to just get out of his house. It's like, oh my God, I can't be around my dad anymore. (laughs) Sure. I'll go pro whatever. And then winds up like, you know, okay. Being pro is like, you know, it's pretty easy. I won all my fights before. Like, why not? Mm -mm. And then gets beaten like in his first round. Like, oh, oh, this is very different. Okay. And then like the way that his dad treats him is like, okay, I don't want to feel that way ever again. Like, I, I want to just, like, fight harder and, like, you know, become better. And does that, winds up winning the world championship, world heavyweight championship. Wow. And he's like, nope, I shouldn't have this. I should not have this at all. Um, and he's like, I knew it. I knew it in my head. I knew it then. But I go ahead and get in this fight, and I almost die. And he loses the championship, like, in his first wow. defense or something like that. And it's like, yep, almost died. Um, had to retire from boxing entirely. Um, looked at as a failure in his community from his family oh, and all that stuff. No. Uh, and he made it to a world championship and almost commit suicide. Oh no! But was him almost dying in terms of like he just like got hit in the head a lot and oh yeah, just beaten in the head a oh, whole bunch. Um, but wakes up and realizes he gets the opportunity to write a piece on like you know what it's like to get knocked out oh, God. um and he writes a piece and it's like really loved it's very well written mm. um and he gets the opportunity to then like go out and like you know be a technical director on movies about boxing that's cool and then winds up go- becoming like a director and directs a play about like you know boxing and whatnot wow. and is still a successful like you know technical director and like director and actor in in los angeles today and like he's thriving all off of that loss if he didn't lose he would not be where he is in his life Hmm. and he's just like i'm glad i boxed so i can be doing this today but i just wish that you know that those things i just wish i was here first yeah um because he really found his love in the arts as opposed to like being beaten up (laughs) on a regular (laughs) basis that's crazy but stories like that and they uh, there's another story about like uh, the first uh black uh female olympic skater for france Ooh. and how everyone was like she is our 
golden child. When you say skater, do you mean ice skater? Ice skater. Okay. And it's like, this is figure skater. Like, she's going to win us gold. It's going to be awesome. Because she was a beast at, like, gymnastics. Um, What year was this? This is in the 80s. Okay. 80s going to early 90s. And everyone's just like, this is it. Like, this is our golden child. And then she just doesn't, like, show up to, like, perform. Like, she shows mm-hmm. up, but, like, she's not at the level that everyone thought that she would be. Mm-hmm. And it's just like... Well, yeah, it's super hard because it's the Olympics. Yeah. Everyone calm down. <laughs> You're still the best of the best if you got there. Yeah. So, yeah. But it transitions into a life of teaching and, like, being able to, like, you know, coach and show people, like, you know, this is a world where in which anything can happen. Like, you don't have to be the best. Like, skating is about living and art and performance. And it's just like, oh, wow. And having, like, other world champions like talk about her like oh yeah she's awesome she's like one of the best in the world oh wow and like like tara lipinski and scott hamill and all that stuff oh, yeah. like actual named skater people oh i'm familiar <laughs> my mom was big into figure skating when i was a kid so i watched a lot of olympics um what's funny though is this is happening concurrently with like all the like her story happens parallel to like all the nancy kerrigan stuff no way so it's like oh so this amazing story was happening here that the world didn't know about because mm. <laughs> this because drama is happening over here because who hit nancy kerrigan jason tanya harding there you go not tonya harding here tonya t-o-n-y-y-a all right (laughs) um but yes that was loser (laughs) i had seen it on was it hulu or amazon prime or something um it's on it's on netflix okay netflix i had seen it but i um I thought it was going to be that. I didn't know that there was going to be positivity in it. I thought it was just going to be sad. Oh no! So I, so I had avoided it because I didn't want to be sad <laughs> and feel bad for people. It's, so I'm glad that um, things work out for people. So far, I've only done three. Um, it's mm-hmm. all about how things work out for the better. Excellent. Okay, then maybe I can check it out. <laughs> um, what else do I have? Um, I watched all of Queer Eye as soon as it came out. Oh, season four, right? Season season three, three, three. season, season three. three. Okay. Um, and all I have for notes is it's so goddamn great. <laughs> That's you know, it was so great. Um, I speaking of positivity, they're so positive and they're so kind, um, and they just treat people so lovely. Um, it was great. My favorite episode was, um this like young i'm gonna say early to mid 20 something black girl she was adopted when she came out her family um rejected her and Mm -hmm. she had to go out on her own when she was like 16 or something um and so she's kind of had to build her own family and community and she just didn't even though she's lovely um she just didn't have a lot of confidence and everything um and she just really came out of her shell and they helped her out so much and she um, was just such a great person um, and I cried real hard Jason <laughs> I tear up at all those episodes but I think the whole adoption thing because I'm adopted really got me mm-hmm. it was just like oh god and it was like hard cry like ugly cry um, but it's great and then despite the tears it is always like a really positive mm-hmm. um, it's like the British Bake Off but uh, transformations <laughs> of people of as people. opposed to pastries yeah it's so great um, um do they retain the same cast this season no changes cast, yep. okay um those guys are making tons of money off of this and good for them oh yeah. <laughs> 
Because a lot of them have had like really kind of weird or tough lives. Yeah. From yeah, from what I understand, they've yeah. not had easy roads to no, be where they are. Not at all. Um, almost, I think all of them. I'm not sure about Jonathan Van Ness. Um, and I'm not sure about Karamo in terms of coming out, but the other guys had they they've all had their own issues and stuff, mm-hmm. um, which is unfortunate, but also makes them more relatable, mm-hmm. um, both for the audience and forever it is that they're helping. Um, so it's great. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I also watched Green Book. Oh, how did you feel about it? It was on the plane, <laughs> so it was like great because I didn't want to pay money for stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it was fine. Is pretty much exactly what I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, it is Oscar Beatty, to yeah. be sure. Um, but I mean, Mahershala Ali and Viggo Mortensen did a great job. Um, Viggo Mortensen was very um, likable, mm-hmm. um, which I think that would that type of character. I think it was would actually be difficult. I don't think it would be easy to make him likable necessarily. I think other actors could have made it gone too far with it. Right. Um, or made him kind of unlikable, but he did a great job. Um, also, Mahershala Ali is really funny, mm-hmm. and I would like to see him do more funny stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and Linda Cardellini, she always just pops up and stuff as someone's wife. You keep saying things that will foreshadow things I'm talking we'll talk about <laughs> later. Because Cardellini pops up in something like, what are you doing here? Yeah, I think she was in something else that I watched. Um, but yeah, no, it was good. Um, I Predictable, but good, and a lovely story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I think I managed to keep it together on the plane, which I was very proud of myself. It's <laughs> like, you don't cry at this. Um, I think I was prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was good. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I've come down a bit on that movie since it's like won the Oscar and like in reading some things and listening to some things. I'm like, that's okay. <laughs> like before, I was like, no, it's really good. No, like it's fine. It's it's super Oscar baity and like it was designed to do what it did. What did you read or watch that made you change your mind a little bit? I don't know. Just some articles and so far as talking about just like, well, this is like you know, very much tropey and deals with like you know aspects of race that are just that they are. Doing with broad strokes. Yes. And I don't know. It's not every movie's job to always treat these things with finer strokes, I guess. But at the same time, it's like, well, this did win an Oscar. Maybe it should have been a bit more, I don't know, sensitive to certain issues or more historically accurate. Because, like, you know, the family came out to say things like, oh, they weren't friends. Like, they weren't, like, you know, buddy-buddy and close like that. Like, Oh, interesting. And it's like, oh, really? Which like, is kind of the whole point of that yeah <laughs> it's just like oh well what's that story like then as opposed to this thing which feels very much like produced by the hollywood machine to yeah. like get you to tug at your heartstrings and like you know feel something for this movie if it had just been that they disliked like all th- like totally disliked each other but then came to understand each other and at mm-hmm. least respect each other that's fine mm-hmm. you don't have to make them bffs right and like him spoiler alert um him coming to like their christmas dinner at the end and everyone mm-hmm. being cool that like there's no way that happened right and also there's no way given the events of the movie like what happened that made everyone in this room not racist yeah where previously 
30, 40 minutes ago, like this. Super racist. Yeah. <laughs> so what okay. happened? Yeah. Was it the letters? <laughs> <laughs> so things like that, when I'm looking back, I'm like, ah, what, what do I really feel about this movie? Yeah. I think it hits, you see things coming and it hits the like relationship milestones mm-hmm. um, that you expect it to hit. So, yeah. Yeah. But it was it was not it was entertaining and both actors did an amazing job, so. Mhm. But speaking of a black actor and white actor on a road trip, I saw Captain Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Jesus Christ, I forgot to write that down, Jason. <laughs> I saw it too. <laughs> so, let's talk about it then. Um it was fun. It was a lot of fun. It was another fun episode of the Marvel TV series that is their movies. Um, I think it is going to be a wholly dissatisfying experience for anyone wanting to know what's what's going to happen to the Avengers. <laughs> You're not going to get those answers in watching this movie at all. It is 100% contained doing its own thing. Um, I like Brie Larson and uh, Sam Jackson's chemistry off of each other. Oh, yeah, they're great. That was fun. Um, her interplay with Jude Law and, you know, the other characters, Jarman Hansu and all that stuff. Fine. Um, it just felt like, to me, my only real issue with the movie was that she had no issues. Um, she didn't have anything she needed to overcome, necessarily, or nothing was difficult for her. She didn't have an enemy that was difficult to fight. She didn't have uh, a real situation for herself, other than, like, her memory loss, which she gets back. Um, so, for me, it just felt like, oh, what were your problems? <laughs> um, but outside of that, problems aside, like it was fun. The soundtrack was so much fun because it's all set in the nineties. Um, got your no doubt going on in there. Your Nirvana, your garbage. Um, a lot of fun bands being played. The Vans Warp Tour just it, <laughs> coming at you. The first incarnation of the Warp Tour, definitely. Um, the effects were great. I love the, the lighting <laughs> effects. That was such a long. <laughs> I was trying to remember other things I enjoyed. The the I was hanging on there waiting and it lasted so much longer than I thought. It was a fun ride. That ride of your the was more enjoyable to me than that movie. Okay. Well how did you feel about it? I didn't like it. All right. <laughs> um I didn't think it was very well written. I love Brie Larson mm-hmm. and she and Samuel L. Jackson seem to you call them Sam. I'm not that familiar with him. <laughs> I don't think we're at that point in our relationship. I'll maintain my respect for him, uh, Mr. Jackson. Um, <laughs> uh, they seem to be having a genuinely good time, and he in particular seemed to be having the best time I've had him seen. Nope. He's. Oh, boy. <laughs> the stick just is really getting to me, Jason. <laughs> he seemed to be having the most fun in a film that I'd seen in a while. All right. Um, it feels like yes, the years really did fall off his yeah. himself with and being a younger version of himself. Yeah, and like he looked like he was in good shape. Mm-hmm. I was like, did you like lose some pounds for this? Someone pointed or this out. Spanks. <laughs> Either way, Mr. Jackson, you're looking good. Someone pointed out like he looks amazing. He does. However, he has a run of a 70 year old man, <laughs> which is like okay, I could see that. That's fair. It's <laughs> totally fine. Um, I just thought that it wasn't well written um they keep on like going back to these flashbacks of like her and her dad mm-hmm. and it didn't really seem to make sense it didn't play much into anything later no, on no it felt like there were three different stories mm-hmm. that people had written and then instead of just going with one 
or trying to make two that fit. They took all three and just took little sections of each mm-hmm. and put together this movie. And I just, I didn't really like that. <laughs> and it was a little too winky for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I found the humor to be kind of basic. There were some funny little things in there, but to me it had a real uh, How I Met Your Mother kind of I can see uh, that. comedy that I despised (laughs) um so yeah it just oh it didn't do it for me also maybe my expectations even though i was very dubious as soon as i saw the trailer i was like Mm -hmm. oh no um yeah it it wasn't great like (laughs) sorry to poop on your enthusiasm no it's not i I felt like this was just a fine movie i didn't feel like this was like Oh man. Yeah, no. Guys, get out there to see some <laughs> Captain Marvel. Like Shazam, what's that? Don't see that. See this other Captain oh, Marvel. Shazam looks so bad. Um, I have some thoughts on that. Okay. But insofar as like this Captain Marvel movie, um it, it's it's tough, I think, to come into it because from the nerd perspective, <laughs> if you are a fan of the comics and know about like the Kree and the scroll and all that stuff, it's like well, goddamn, talk about broad strokes. Like, this is a much more complicated conflict than what you're portraying here. But whatever. It's a movie. We got to get going. Yeah, I you have to cram that. a lot into two hours. Yeah. Two and a half. Yeah. And, and also what was weird, I guess, in almost every other Marvel film or any other superhero film, we get the discovery of the abilities like kind of off the bat. Like, this mm-hmm. is the first time being introduced to this character. How'd you get here? And it just shows you in media res. Like, okay, you already have your powers, you already have your abilities. Like, but wait, what, 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 what? Okay, you're... Okay, all right, fine. We're just going to be rolling along. So it's kind of tough in that respect, I think, to just accept, like, okay, she's already here, fully formed with all her abilities, and now we're going to backtrack to figure out how she got to this point. It's like, uh, okay. Which, fine if that's what you're going to do, but you have to do it well, and they didn't execute it terribly well, Mm. I feel like. Um, Also, way to use in media rest. (laughs) As an English major, I really appreciate that. Look at you go. Thank you. I thought that it was, uh, yeah, the joke-wise, joke, joke wise, it's like this is not at all the funniest Marvel film. No. Like, you're, they're not, like, you know, putting effort into the comedy like they would in, in Ant-Man or in a Guardians film. Um, and it's tough because, like, you know, this is this is not the one that's introducing us to space in this world right. and cosmic conflict. It's like, Guardians already did that. Like, what else you got? Like, this is not the one that's going to be here to, like, you know, make you laugh all the way through, like, Ant-Man. They've already done that. What else it's you got? It's kind of tough to be very original when there's this point, so many movies at this point. Yeah. And that's not the movie's fault. That's just the nature that... That's right, just the world right. it's playing in. Yeah. Um, and it's a character that, though her powers are vast, in terms of portraying it in the movie, there's not a ton to differentiate her, necessarily. Yeah. It's another person in a suit that has a lot of pew pews yeah yeah like so yeah it's like awesome she's got light that emits from her hands she flies she's got super strength but how strong is she because we don't get to see her struggle against anything you know and her solution to the problem is just like really just beating the hell out of it like and in other movies they don't let them have that out really Mm -hmm. they have to figure another way out which is weird like thor he's super strong he didn't solve his problem in the first movie with like super strength he didn't have powers for half that movie it's like how how does he get around something like how does he figure it out and also in this movie she's an alien or at least she thinks she is Mm -hmm. 
but she's not at all a fish out of water on Earth. She's like with it 100% down. Yeah. It's like, no, you should feel weird about everything around you and everyone should feel weird about you. But mm-hmm. this is, you're just like comfortable, which is fine, I guess. I don't know. It's mm-hmm. different than other things, but in in other Marvel films or whatever, you know, where someone's like, I'm not from this time. Or I'm not from this world. It's yeah, like, like Thor. You can it's play very with obvious. It. Yeah. Even in Captain America, it's like, man, I got to catch up on all these albums. Like what is Marvin Gaye? Okay, <laughs> cool. I'll listen to that. Like, yeah. I don't know. They didn't play with that enough where you can get a lot of good jokes out of and like a lot of fun things from totally. an audience, especially in it when it's set in a period, like this is set in the nineties. Right. Like, yeah, be what is, what is online? How does that work? <laughs> like, I don't know if there are jokes like that to be played with, but whatever i thought it was okay overall and a nice little something to wet your palate before the real show that everyone wants uh end game comes out in in a few weeks i agree um what else what else what else um i (laughs) so going the natural uh segue is from captain marvel to alone in berlin a nazi story (laughs) (laughs) um it has Emma Thompson and Brendan Gleeson um, and Daniel Bruhl, my guy. <laughs> um, I'll be quick about it because it's kind of whatever. Um, Emma Thompson and Brendan Gleeson are a married couple. They're, um, they are Nazi supporters, kind of not hardcore, but yes, um, okay. <laughs> in Germany. Um, but their son dies uh, during World War II. And so um, they, Brenda Gleason starts writing these postcards um, that are anti-Hitler and being like, he's, he's a liar. He's killing our children. Mm-hmm. Let's stop this war. Um, and Daniel Bruhl is the, uh, he's a detective um, in Germany and he is trying to find out who is um, placing all these postcards all over the city because mm-hmm. they he does it um for like a couple of years oh he, he got away with it he and his wife got away with it for like two or three years wow so like spreading a like lot. anti-propaganda yeah i think there's like in total he spread like 285 or something wow postcards. separate postcards yeah wow um because he would just leave them on like the steps of an apartment building like very kind of random places but each postcard was like, he made several copies of each postcard, right? No, he would just write them each individually. And oh. Like different things. Um, and and he had, like, a regular factory job. Um, but he would go out and do this, you know, in his spare time. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the Nazis were pissed. Uh, and so they... And so Daniel Brühl had to track him down. He is, himself is not a Nazi. And he ends up getting the shit kicked out of him by a Nazi. So you watch him kind of have this kind of arc where he's not hardcore into Hitler, Mm -hmm. but he was going along with things, obviously. Um, He gets beaten up by them. Um, I'm just going to spoil it because no one's going to watch this. (laughs) Um, Another guy uh, who they want to blame this on, who he knows is not the guy, he ends up kind of helping him commit suicide. And then... um, uh, Emma Thompson and Brendan Gleeson are both caught um, and so he knows that they he tried to save the wife because she was not the one actually writing the postcards which mm-hmm. didn't work um, and so they're both caught and executed and so 
poor Daniel Brühl ends up just not poor Daniel Brühl. He was uh, cool with Nazis, but um, he ends up killing himself at the end because he's just like fuck this, and he throws all the postcards out the window so everyone can get them. Oh wow, goddamn, what a downer <laughs> that film is. But also hopeful in the sense of you know spreading the downfall of, yeah. of the Nazi party. And it he his mind was changed by these people mm. that he was trying to catch, and even though he got a ton of the postcards, there was still like. 18 out there that people had not turned in oh wow so even though it wasn't a lot it's still people whose minds are being changed which is nice. all they, enough they really to like want. sow the seeds of dissent yes, exactly okay. oh so poetic <laughs> look at you go um yeah exactly so um the emma thompson bring gleason were both great in it um i enjoy a world war ii drama you um, do enjoy a, a World War II drama. I do. I didn't realize I made so many of these <laughs> until we there started discussing them. There are so many, Jason. <laughs> I've seen so many of them. And these aren't old. These are all within like the last eight years, yeah. <laughs> if anything. I don't, yeah. This is like a genre within itself. And oh, I, absolutely. <laughs> that Netflix knows I'm into. It's like, hey, oh, you don't like love? Here's 18 different World War II dramas that you hey, can watch. You got that shit you like. <laughs> You have it? You have it? Okay, meet me tonight at 8. This one's set in Austria. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> okay, what else? Um, okay, I also wound up watching uh, Office Space on Hulu. Um, it's Last week was the 20th anniversary of Office Space. Oh, oh God. Um, written by King of the Hill writer, oh, uh, my boy, no. Mike Judge. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's it's excellent. And I am of two minds of this movie um, and at very different times in my life. When I first saw the movie when I was like, you know, 13, I was terrified. I was like, I never want to be in that position. Not oh, that I'm God. in that position. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so let's backtrack a little, a little bit more when i was 22 i was like angry and like you know like looking for a job and thought to myself like this guy's ungrateful <laughs> how could he how could why would he, why would he not want to work at a steady job where they're paying him money just shut up and take it and now i'm like he's 100 percent right i get how he feels this is all terrible this is all bs <laughs> yeah Leave your dumbass job and it makes you feel that bad if you can. I understand responsibilities exist, but sometimes they don't. And if you're not bound to it, walk the F away, which is what he didn't do and becomes a problem for him in the movie. He says, no, I want to steal from my job. Don't steal from your job. Just walk away. But he went through a real arc of fear, anger, and acceptance there. Like, wow. <laughs> like I said, over 20 years that I've been aware of this movie, that it's existed, I've had very different feelings on it. Yeah. I do enjoy this movie a great deal. It's, you know, part, I think, of American culture, or, or it became a big part of American pop culture at one point in oh, time. Yeah. The whole red swing line stapler, the whole idea of, mm -hmm. like, you know, jobs are willing to replace you and destroy you as quickly as you were able to get them. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, Office Space, of course. If someone hasn't seen Office Space, it's a story of a man at a point <laughs> in his life who's just done with his terrible job. His boss hates him, and he hates his boss. Their work treats him inappropriately. And he decides to just, you know what, screw it. I am willing to do as poor a job as possible until they let me go. And then they wind up promoting him. And then he <laughs> finds out, oh, they're going to fire all your friends and coworkers, people who've been working hard, uh, and just, you know, replace them, despite the fact that they have no ill will towards this job. And then he decides, I'm going to fight for my friends, and I'm going to want to steal a bunch of money and give it to them. But he winds up 
messing up the math and <laughs> steals too much money too quickly. And then it becomes a big problem for him to the point where he has to return the money. And at the same time, the whole building burns down because of one employee that they treated horribly and terribly the entire time, worse than any other, to the point where they stopped paying him, but it kept making him show up to work. Where he takes it into his own hands, he burns his whole job down, and winds up stealing the check that the uh, protagonist returns to his job. He then finds himself on a beach with lots of money. The protagonist finds himself working construction jobs because, like, you know what? This actually makes me happy. I'm building something, creating something, as opposed to just maintaining BS. Um, and is yeah, it's it speaks to the American working class really hard. Um, and also, yeah, the cast is interesting. Uh, Stephen Root, Ron Livingston, uh, David Hurt. What, what was the first? Oh, Stephen Root, um, who is on Barry and tons of other things. He's definitely a character oh, actor that yes. everyone knows. He's in everything. He's comedy. in everything. Yep. <laughs> um, Ron Livingston, who's also in everything. Mm -hmm. um, Gary Cole, uh, AJ Naidu, uh, Jennifer Aniston, uh, and Diedrich Bader. Um, it's a whole cast of character actors and Jennifer Aniston, who's also like really fun in it. <laughs> like she's also someone going through a job that she works at a restaurant, and it's like this is terrible. And she seems very like weirdly attainable. Yeah. <laughs> like oh, I totally see this couple working out, Ron Livingston and Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, totally. Like, yeah, this is fine. Um, but yeah, I really love this movie, and I've had a wild relationship with it over twenty years. Apparently, <laughs> I appreciate that you. I haven't seen it because I didn't like it that much um, <laughs> when I did, but um, I appreciate you going through it because I was going to be like, what happens again at the end? <laughs> um, but what else have you been watching? I watched Ricky Gervais's uh, new show on Netflix, oh, Afterlife. Okay. Um, and I, I'm a fan of him. I mean, he's, I've been a fan of him since I was like 14 um, and I listened to his podcast um, then he got really popular and it's like when your favorite band gets really popular, like, but no, I knew them before. <laughs> um, and he got a little bit much after a while, but mm -hmm. then he kind of toned it back. Um, and so, um, and he had another show. Oh, I'm forgetting the name of it. That was a drama. Um, he is good at kind of depressing drama comedies. Yeah. That's his wheelhouse. Um, which I get, um, and so I was interested in this one and I finally found myself in the right mood to be able to watch something a little bit more sad. Mm -hmm. um, and so he plays this guy, Tony, um, whose wife dies of cancer and he is just kind of lost and he's really angry because she was a lovely human being. Um, and so he pretty much lets go of trying to be um, really what's the word i'm looking for he just doesn't give a shit anymore so mm -hmm. he just says what he's thinking and what he's feeling right um and is incredibly cynical and what he says to people is totally what i think and has how deeply cynical i am but i have to like <laughs> reel it in and not be like that because but, it's terrible and incredibly unpleasant right um but in his situation the filter of his wife not being there anymore it's just all out he's done he wear he just wears sweatpants and t-shirts everywhere <laughs> he works for um a local newspaper mm -hmm. um and so the cast of characters is pretty much um based around that um david bradley who is argus filch from harry potter okay um he plays ricky gervais's dad and he does an amazing job he is in a nursing home um and he clearly has like some dementia and stuff but 
I feel like you you forget that he is performing. Oh. And he is he's fantastic. Um, and then did you watch Extras? I did watch Extras, yes. Ashley I... Jensen from Extras. Oh, great. Um, she is a nurse and she's uh, Tony's dad's nurse okay. in, in the show. So she pops up here and there and she's great. She is fantastic. Yeah, she just is really nice and just calls Ricky Gervais out on being a dick. Which is what she did in Extras. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and then uh, there's another guy in it, um, Tony Way. Who you've seen in everything. Um, I don't know. This is getting real nitty gritty. Uh, he was Sir Dantos, Dantos in Game of Thrones. He helped Sansa escape. Oh. And he's also um, in Edge of Tomorrow. He's kind of a bigger guy. Okay. I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah. Um, but he was her. She, he was. Um, uh, wait, Sansa? He helped Sansa escape? Or? Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, okay. All right. I thought he I'd... was like the drunk guy and she saved him. Okay. The only reason yep. I remember this is because he was on that podcast. Uh, I was there too. Mm-hmm. Matt Gorley's podcast. Um, and I saw them in London um, and they showed d- various clips of stuff that he's been in because he's been in so much. Um, I would suggest you listen to that episode. It was great. Mm-hmm. Um, so he is on the show as kind of this um, sloppy uh, kind of lazy dude who is the photographer at the newspaper um but they write because it's a local paper they just write about dumb stuff mm-hmm. um like 13 sheep escape today like that yeah, kind of thing it was someone oh crap who was it like oh this one kid uh can he has two recorders and he can play them with his nose <laughs> <laughs> And then someone has like a water stain on their wall that looks like some celebrity. Like it's incredibly dumb shit. Right. Um, which is perfect for someone who's incredibly cynical. Um, so it's just him going throughout his day and stuff. Um, like how does someone exist after the reason for them existing is gone? Right. Um, so it's really funny and it's also really sad or you know it's not really sad it is sad because he watches videos of his wife so his wife is still kind of a character in the show she leaves videos for him um and um but yeah i like it i'm gonna probably finish it out it's i ended up watching like three episodes in a row without even really realizing it i was curious about it and i want to check it out now yeah um again i was a situation of mood of just being like i yeah. don't know if i'm ready to like handle something like that yeah because it's a very good trailer um that exists for it um you know but when i was i just thought like i'm not ready for this right now i'm not in the right frame of mind it was for someone who cries very easily i don't think i cried <laughs> <laughs> uh, or maybe just once um when they first show his wife leaving him a video but um it's it's more funny than it is sad to be honest with mm-hmm. you um because he yeah like you said that's his wheelhouse he's good at that um and he always surrounds himself with a really good cast mm-hmm. um and the cast in this is great so yeah i'd recommend it okay um a uh, thing that i watched with my mom uh the longest yard on comedy central <laughs> why? why jason Oh, <laughs> I visit. We wind up watching weird ass movies, you and do. this is one that we watched. Oh boy! All right. It's a it's a decent Adam Sandler movie, which sounds like not it's a real not, sentence. It's not <laughs> of the Adam Sandler movies. It is not one of. Oh no! It's not a good Adam Sandler movie. I didn't say that. It's decent. Like there are problems in this movie for sure. But is this the one where he played? No, I'm thinking of the Water Boy. 
this is another football it's, movie. It's you're you're not wrong. Oh, you're in the right wheelhouse. I don't think I've seen this one. I think I was thinking of the water boy. Adam Sandler, of course, living fantasies, plays a football quarterback. Adam Sandler, you're like five nine, man. You were too short to get a quarterback. <laughs> but he plays a quarterback who gets sent to prison for, you know, uh, on, on a DUI endangered like lives and whatnot. Um, previously released from like NF- the NFL for uh, point shaving, oh. um, and you know uh, illegal betting and whatnot. Um, finds himself in a the most penitentiary penitentiary in Texas, <laughs> um, and the football the football warden the warden wants to organize mm-hmm. a game between like you know uh the guards and the inmates because like the guards the guards have like a semi pro team or something like that okay. and the prison the prison can make money off of it um what it's a dumb kind of looted plot yeah that being said he needs adam Sandler to get together a team to go against the guards to you know promote the 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 team to to promote the guards team um and it's going to be on ESPN two and all this stuff. What? Again, stay with me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm struggling too, Jason. Um, so Adam Sandler has to assemble a team with the help of his friend Chris Rock, who also happens to be in prison. Oh, <laughs> um, okay. They get together a team consisting of uh Tracy Morgan, <laughs> Terry Crews, Nelly, uh the wrestler Goldberg, the wrestler Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a ridiculous cast of human beings that are gathered together in this movie um but it 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 does manage to be funny at various points um yeah there's a point where one of the characters says something extremely racist and it broke my heart because in real life like that guy's not a racist like it's just uh, oh and it's just like i know that he's acting i know there's a character acting in a film but it's like no this hurts so much to Was hear. Was it Steve Austin? Yeah, it's like, I, I knew know, it. <laughs> you're not. You're super not, although it seems like you could be, but you're not. <laughs> you said that like too easily, sir. Like, it's just like, oh, God, this hurts to hear. Oh, that's not good. Um, but it's just like, yeah, it, it's it's it manages to be a fun movie. Not a good movie, but manages to be fun. Okay. And that's all I'll say about that movie. You looked genuinely like you were in pain when you <laughs> said the last little bit. Oh, Jason. Uh, but what else have you seen? Um, I watched... This is what I watched half of. Mm-hmm. I watched half of uh, Crazy Rich Asians. Oh, I have a, a relation to that. Um, It was better than I expected. Okay. Um, As an Asian person, I was skeptical when i first saw that i was coming out um how crazy and rich are they <laughs> how asian are they um which is actually kind of a relevant question to this film um it feel, it follows constance wu's character um who is the girlfriend of uh henry golding's character mm-hmm. um she i think they're supposed to be in like new york or california or something um Oh, New York. Uh, she mentions the East Village. So um, she had, they've been dating for like a year. He wants her to meet his family. Turns out she didn't know that his family was incredibly wealthy, like dumb wealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she's kind of introduced to this new, new world that she didn't know about, which is smart. Um, a smart way to introduce the actual world to a world that they didn't know of both of wealth and of Asian people. Okay. Um, so it's a 
a smart way to go about it. Well, she's the conduit for the audience. Exactly. In the sense of just like, you're her. Welcome to this insane world. Yeah, they they emphasize the fact that she is Asian American. Like, she's oh. very American. Um, and American culture and uh, Chinese culture is very different. Um, Constance Wu was okay, I think, um, because this the the male character is so wealthy and he's very handsome um everyone's like oh my god nick young has a girlfriend like Mm -hmm. lucky her blah blah blah. um i don't know that her character is particularly remarkable okay um she's fine Mm -hmm. um and you don't see like they're in terms of their relationship you don't really see what's kind of keeping them together like what really bonds them at all they're just together and you just are understood that they're in love i guess other than being two young attractive successful people basically like what's keeping this together yeah um um it's it's weird in that it's a little ironic that um at one point well, the whole movie I felt like is trying to buck stereotypes a little bit of what kind of mainstream America, I guess. Granted, it's playing all over the world, but um, what mainstream people think of Asian people. Okay. But it also, like, her character um, is, she's like a very successful, like, economics professor, and she points out how kind of asian that is mm-hmm. so it's a weird just like okay so we're trying not to be stereotypical but also we're kind of stereotypical but okay fine mm-hmm. um it's all the glitz and glamour is very mesmerizing and it's pretty much what keeps you in that movie is it a vacation film in the sense of like hey audience no you can't afford to go on this vacation but welcome to this vacation is that that kind of thing where it's like you're taking you on this journey to like a place that you would never be able to afford or be able to ever be able to go oh, to. Oh, absolutely. Because okay. it's based in, um, he goes to Singapore. That's where his family is living. Okay. Um, in this mansion. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's crazy. Huh, <laughs> crazy. <laughs> um, but Aquafina kind of steals the show just because she's, you know, a quirky, funny character mm-hmm. um, who is also, even though her family is clearly wealthy, um, her she lives over there because she went to college with Constance Wu's character. Oh, okay. Um, so when Constance goes over there, she meets up with her, and they together go to the mansion. Oh, okay. So she's like the best, the funny best friend. <laughs> the funny best friend. Okay. Um, and she's like, "Holy shit!" Because <laughs> she b- understands both the culture and how famous this family is, but mm-hmm. also where Constance Wu is kind of coming from. Mm-hmm. Um. So her reactions are very much the audience's reactions to stuff. Just okay. like taking pictures of herself at this mansion, <laughs> be like, holy crap, um, this is amazing. I can't believe I'm here. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so, yeah, it was fun. Um, if I can find it for free again, I'll finish it. <laughs> I'm not going to pay for it. Um, it's not a particularly good movie. <laughs> I think it's pretty stereotypical and... Um, the white, the mom of the guy doesn't like her and uh, there, I'm sure they'll 
find a respect for each other at the end of it because mm. of course I mean you're just hitting things it's like any other white led movie except for it's Asian people and they're extra wealthy it's like your standard big money rom-com yeah which also sounds like a great rap name big money rom-com Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah it was it was fine it entertained me on the plane <laughs> um henry golding is so handsome mm-hmm. and with that accent damn but he also has a weird relationship with his mom in this movie like okay she she gets a wine in his shirt at one point so he has to change and while he's changing shirts she like picks him picks out a shirt for him and then helps him like button it up i want to be like he's like a 30 something man like mm-hmm. why the fuck are you helping him button up his shirt you weirdo get away from him stop touching those abs <laughs> i mean like i get it <laughs> but ew um but i guess um i think there are because i'm not familiar with chinese culture i think there are a lot more um nuanced things in there that i don't recognize mm-hmm. so maybe i would appreciate it more if i did um like I didn't know that, um, and I happened to just see this random cartoon on Instagram of this woman who's Chinese, um, and it's customary for, uh, like, if someone's uh, if you go over to someone's house and they're making dinner, you, if you offer to help, and they they'll say no, and like you should keep offering to help until mm-hmm. it'll happen a couple times. Whereas in America, you'll be like, hey, can I help? No, oh, okay, well, blah blah blah. I want to go live my life. Bye. Right. As opposed to there, you should offer a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And I it struck me as odd in the movie when Aquafina, she's still in her car, and Henry Golding comes out to grab his girlfriend, who is also in the car. And so he invites her, Aquafina, into the party also. And she's like, no, no. And he's like, no, please. And she's like, no, no, I can't. And so he has to, he asked her three times. Mm-hmm. And on the third, third time, she's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so of course, she wanted to go to this big-ass party. And I was like, oh, that's weird that he offered so many times. Just when you're thinking about how, like, writing a script or something, it seems mm-hmm. odd to have that. And in a movie where every, you know, second is precious, to have that in the scene seemed odd to me. But then when I learned, like, oh, that's a Chinese culture thing. Mm-hmm. If you're supposed to offer many times. Like, oh, okay. So there is a lot going on in there, I think, that I'm not getting because I'm not familiar. Interesting. Okay. Um, so I kind of want to learn more about the culture so I can recognize various things in the movie. So yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, where this is like, you know, this is a cultural landmark or touchstone where like yeah. most people who are watching this would not be able to pick up on right. if you're not from the culture. Mm-hmm. Okay. I feel like I was, that's one thing I missed this past summer, Crazy Rich, crazy rich Asians. Mm. But I guess I would like to see that as well for free. Yeah. If I could, but yeah. <laughs> it's it's totally fun. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's the movie equivalent of a beach read. It's mm-hmm. just, there's not much there. It's predictable, but it's light and it looks really great mm-hmm. and it's got a really hot guy in it. Okay. Um, no transition here. <laughs> I saw the first perch. And, oh, right. And you were excited about the fact that that was out on something. I like the Purge movies. You do. And I didn't realize I did until I saw the second one. I'm like, I think I'm with this all the way and whatever happens next. <laughs> because I remember my reaction and seeing the trailer for the second Purge movie. Sitting there in a theater. Three friends sitting together. And the trailer comes on. It's like, well, smoke and mass. What's going on here? And then me and my friend turn to each other and look at each other and say, 
the purge. <laughs> and then our other friend goes, you nerds. <laughs> um, but no, this is the first purge. It's a prequel. This first purge is actually the fourth purge movie. Um, oh my God, there are four. Yeah. Um, the two biggest names in it that I would say are uh, Ilan Noel, who's uh, an insecure as Daniel, um, and uh, Marissa Tomei. Oh wow! Um, I was I also did the same thing when I saw Mister Tomei on screen. Like, what are you what are you doing here? <laughs> you don't you don't need to be here, Marissa. <laughs> don't you know you're in Spider Man? <laughs> <laughs> but the first purge it's set in Long Island. Um, excuse me, Staten Island. Oh. Set in Staten Island. Uh, it is the the first test ground for the purge. What if this is just the sequel to Spider Man? <laughs> 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 She's moved to Staten Island. Things have not gone well. Like, oh no, Pete. Like he obviously died. <laughs> And the city has descended into chaos. Yes. After half the Avengers got turned to ash, this had to happen. Oof. Oof. Um, but no, uh, Marissa Tomei plays like a government official who's uh, trying to test out the first purge. Does she wear business suits? She wears business suits all the way I through. I can't picture Marissa in a business suit. Neither can I until you see it. It's like, oh, okay. okay. This is fine. Walk around in heels. Oh, yeah interesting <laughs> okay but um it's supposed to be the test ground for the first purge they're doing it on Staten Island which has overrun with gang violence apparently um <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not I don't think it is I doubt it um but in what happens in the movie is that they shut it down for a night there are several so it's diff- just Staten Island it's just Staten Island okay. um and for the most part people are doing what would I think happen in that situation of course the purge being all crime is legal for one night mm-hmm. and people for the most part are doing petty crimes it's yeah, like looting television yes that's gonna, what i'd be doing I'm loot this atm hell yeah like hey let's all just do whatever drugs we want to do yeah why not and uh the whole thing is like, it's all being like you know filmed and recorded like on the internet for like you know the government to see mm-hmm. um and wait f- just for the government to see or for everyone to see for the government to okay. see and for the most part they're like wait no one's doing anything like real serious like <laughs> So murders happening. How disappointing! And what they do is that they flood the scenario with like mercenaries and like oh, outside military forces to oh, like God. you know get people killing basically and to drive up the numbers to make it look like oh people really want to do this. Oh. Um, and are that's, they like in military uniforms just killing people? No, they're like in they're purge playing, costumes. They're like, played clothes guys. Who yeah. Are killing people. Yeah. Oh boy. Okay. Um, and the main character, Elon Noel, is like, you know, head of a gang there mm-hmm. and he wants no part in this. He wants his gang to not participate in it. They're all ex military guys that mm. like you know, decide to come back and start a gang. I don't know how that works. Okay. But um they discover throughout the course of the night, like, oh, these are people that are from outside of our community coming in here to like ruin things. We mm. need to defend our community. So they go to do that. They're eventually killed by the government, except for Elon Noel, the main guy. Uh, he has to go through a building to save a girl that he likes and her family, basically, from mm. the encroaching uh, bad guys. Um, it has the best fight choreography fight choreography out of any of the purges. Um, it's like, wow, this actually looks really good. Do you mean like... Uh... I almost said fisticuffs. No. <laughs> yes. Hand to hand combat. Yes, hand to hand combat. Okay. AKA fisticuffs, fisticuffs. <laughs> for the cultured sort. I mean, I've been in London, guys. <laughs> this is this is what you get. To see a nice Donnie Brook. <laughs> um, but no, like the fighting is great in it. Okay. Um, but that aside, it's okay. Not my favorite purge movie. Uh, my second least favorite purge movie, I would say. Oh, wow. Um, but yeah, it it exists. It's fine. <laughs> it exists. <laughs> Um, oh, I had a question. Um, is this one 
that deals with race at all? Yes. Okay. Yes, I thought it does. I had seen one that was like particularly socially conscious, if you will. I mean, I guess I'm being a bit dismissive in the sense that all the Purge movies are about commentaries on race and society. That's true, yeah. And this one specifically about, I think, the black community. Yeah. Um, and one thing that I guess is important to point out, like this is a, it's a black action movie, which I guess is a thing that doesn't happen all that often, maybe. Also, I had assumed that most of Staten Island, maybe just I'm ignorant, I assumed it was mostly white people. They're focusing on like the hood of Staten Island. Is there a hood of Staten Island? Yeah, okay. certainly. I mean, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> I plan on never going there because I've never met anyone I've liked from there. They all just have terrible accents. Um, no, like it's uh, it's definitely set like in the urban areas of Staten, of Staten Island. Okay. Um, and from what I understand, Staten Island is pretty stratified when it comes to race. Okay. So it does weirdly focus on like a local issue and like oh, on a movie okay. that's portrayed nationally. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, not to be so dismissive to say like, oh, I didn't really care for like, no, I didn't care for it all that much, but there, there's more under the surface than just like people getting murdered. Yeah. Okay. Um, which is weird to consider for that kind of movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was the, the first purge. But that's kind of what makes them good though. Yeah. I mean, yes, that's, that's right. why there are four of them. That's why the people keep coming back to them, I think, because it's more than just, you know, crazy action and like you know frank grillo shooting dudes i mean that's what i'd be there for. <laughs> um so even though they're not in uh chronological order mm -hmm. the chronological order is this movie mm -hmm. then purge there's the one. first purge mm -hmm. where they focus on literally the first purge um no so this no? is the first purge Oh, they're considering this the first one, even though it's not the first national one. Correct. This is the first okay. chronological one. This is the test ground to then become national. So what are the other Purge movies about? So the first one <laughs> is with Ethan Hawke, and it's just a family. Ethan Hawke? Yes. He wow. is the main character in that movie. Okay. It is a family defending themselves in their home from people that want to purge them, essentially. They want to kill is the family. Is he an important person? Um, He is a wealthy businessman. Um, oh, okay. That... So they want to kill him and get the money. Not even kill him and get the money. They just want to kill him. Like for the sake of killing him, because he's wealthy, because it's legal, and fuck you, because okay. you can kill whoever you want to on the night of the purge. It doesn't seem worth it. Yeah, to, like keep going into a place if you're not being successful. Because <laughs> uh, and it was just nothing more than someone that they were trying to hunt down and kill ran into their home to like just to save themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're like, hey, give us the guy or we'll come in and kill everybody. And oh, they're God. like, we're not giving you the guy. He's in our home. Okay, we'll just come in and kill everybody oh, then. God. And that's pretty much the premise of that movie. And them surviving the night until daylight comes Are and the purge is over. the house the whole time? They, they're in the house the whole time. The first movie was actually relatively low budget insofar as like what was available to them. Um, and they do pretty well with like a pretty shoestring budget. Um, it doesn't the, seem worth it to spend so much time trying to get into one house. Just go somewhere else. They could get their jollies off elsewhere, but they were really hard up about doing this. I mean, not that I'm thinking, you know, in a purge mindset, <laughs> but I feel like I'm always kind of thinking in a purge mindset, which I don't know what that says about me. But um, yeah, no, find someone else mm -hmm. and get some money out of it at least. <laughs> The, uh, the I think I would either really thrive during the purge or go down real quick. <laughs> well, that's the thing. The the people that are chasing the guy are wealthy themselves. These oh, are like what? young, rich, like white kids that like want to like kill this black man that has come into this family's home. Oh, I thought they were going after after Ethan Hawke. No, and Ethan Hawke, his family happened. They happened oh, to be. Oh, he ran into their home. Yes, into their home. Oh, so these are just racist little shitheads. Yeah. Okay. 
and Ethan Hawke, who kind of just wants no part of anything. Like, yeah, of course. I shut my home down. We have, like, the, the gates that come over the windows. We are oh, locked in. Oh, they're ready. Like, we're prepared. But it's like, okay, we have to, like, help this guy out now because circumstances. Gotcha. Um, are the filmmakers or writers or anything, just out of curiosity, are they black? I have no clue. Hmm, um, I know that the primary director of the films uh did not direct the first purge the one that oh. came out most recently okay um he the f- the first three purge films he did direct or oh. had a hand in and you liked those more uh, i like those more yeah huh and i guess maybe it shows that him not being there has an effect on it yeah but um in the first movie i thought i for me the first movie is like the weakest one. Oh wow insofar okay. as just like oh like the stakes are relatively small mm-hmm. and like it's an okay movie and a good concept with an okay execution mm-hmm. But I think they really are able to expand on that in the second one. That mm-hmm. is, to me, the best Purge film. So what are the second and third ones about? Second one essentially copies the format of the Warriors um, in the sense of like, hey, this is a person who has a goal, Frank Grillo. He's going to kill a dude tonight that resulted in the death of his family prior to this. Oh, yeah. Okay. I saw that one. Yes. Um, but him escorting people throughout the city to get to this one destination. Yeah. Um, the third one is... That's where they go and he gets into someone's apartment and that lady goes crazy. Yes. And you don't think it's going to be that lady. You think yes. it's going to be the guy in the fatigues. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um, the third film is all about the end of The Purge oh. and how the one woman who can possibly like you know stop all this politically mm-hmm. speaking mm-hmm. she just has to get through the night and frank Grillo is like her bodyguard oh interesting and it's all about making sure that she lives through the night so that she can go ahead and stop the insanity of the purge gotcha um and then the fourth one is about the first gotcha. instance of it so you like the second and the third one the best second and third one's the best yes okay. like um, frank frank is a good as a component to the quality of those films john ham jr yeah <laughs> jsj <laughs> Love him. <laughs> Young ham. Mm, baby ham. <laughs> but what else have you been watching? Um, I Last night, I randomly uh, watched The Highwaymen on Netflix. Oh. A movie about old men for old men. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I watched it. Um, so it's the kind of, kind of true story um, of how they were able to catch Bonnie and Clyde. Oh, okay. Um, and Kevin Costner, um, is a guy named Frank Hammer or Hamer. Uh, is, is this on Netflix? What is this yeah. on? Netflix original. Okay. One of 8,000. All right. Um, Woody Harrelson. I pretty much watch it for Woody Harrelson. Um, uh, he plays, uh, this guy, Mamie Galt. Mm-hmm. Um, basically they were kind of partners. I think they were both Texas Rangers back in the day. Mm-hmm. It's set in 1934. Okay. Um, they're both Texas Rangers, but the Texas Rangers were disbanded. Um, but Bonnie and Cloud are out and about. Bonnie and Clyde are out and about, um, being terrible. Okay. <laughs> um, people love them, but they're awful. Um, and Kathy Bates uh, is the governor, I think, um, of what state? I don't know. I can't remember. Okay. But, um, but not Texas, because they've left Texas. Yeah. Okay somewhere i think in the middle of america okay um and so she's like shit we gotta they're not doing well we gotta oh she's also she no um basically there are guys it starts out with guys like uh prisoners who are out um like working and doing whatever outside Mm -hmm. and um some of them are able to escape to and they knew bonnie and clyde so they hopped into bonnie and clyde's car 
Um, so it was because they broke out of a prison in her state. That's why she was involved. Um, and she's like, we got to get these guys. We're not going to use our conventional methods because no one seems to be able to get them. Mm-hmm. So one guy's like, I got an idea. And she's like, let's not let this get out to the press. Um, so they hire these two or they hire um, Kevin Costner's character, um, who was a pretty hardcore uh, gun guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's the word I'm looking for? An uh, outlaw? A mercenary? Uh, uh, he was an outlaw. Shooter, shooter. What's the... A gunfighter? Yeah. <laughs> a, I don't a know. A soldier? <laughs> This is the part of the podcast where Jason tries to read my mind. <laughs> um, gunslinger is what okay. I was looking for. That's it. Sorry. Um, so, yeah. He was Texas Ranger. He was also basically had an amazing shot and was great. Um, and killed a lot of people. And Woody Harrelson was his partner. So he goes, he grabs Woody. Um, even though they had both retired at this point and are older guys. Mm-hmm. Um, to try and track down Bonnie and Clyde. Um, and that's the story. This sounds like a movie that should have been made in 1992. Like it probably was. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it does. Watching old men run is entertaining and also a little sad. Um, but and it points out like, yeah, we're not as young as we used to be trying to do this. Mm-hmm. I feel like this movie was made for my dad. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and it, it was fine. Um, it's the the last kind of shootout um, was crazy, and I think they staged really how it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way they go about it is they're kind of like detectives; they're just trying to put together like where they're going to be and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is interesting, um, but they show at the end. So they had the shootout in the end, and Body and Clyde are killed. Um, but they show at the end what the car really looked like and stuff. And it is not an exaggeration of riddled with holes. What they do in the movie is not in any way an exaggeration of how mm-hmm. it really was. Like it's fucking crazy. Um, and it's also shows like how obsessed people were, um, and how like glamorous they had become. They were celebrities, celebrities. They were absolutely celebrities. Criminals. And, I think what they showed was probably real in terms of, um, so they, it was in a secluded part of the road. Um, I think it was Louisiana, um, when they were caught, Mm -hmm. um, and a guy that they, that Bonnie and Clyde knew had pretended to, uh, have a flat tire. And so they stopped to help him and the guys, oh, I spoiling it for a story that everybody knows historically they die (laughs) um and so they knew excuse me they knew bonnie and clyde would stop so then um i think five or six guys with machine guns basically all jumped out and as kevin costner was like put your hands up they didn't they and so it's just five men just going nuts with guns on them Mm -hmm. even though they were clearly dead but it's fine um, and so afterwards, they have to tow the car, and it's in a small town. And so they tow the car through just like a one, it's like a main street basically mm-hmm. of this place. And there are just hundreds of people like g- 
grabbing like through the windows and stuff and trying to like touch them. And... Oh, they didn't take the bodies out. No, oh, they God. left the body. I don't know why. It was probably because it was 1934 and like mm-hmm. no one knows how things work. Ambulance? What's that? <clears throat> I know, right? <laughs> um, so the bodies are still in there and the windows are down. And so it's just, or they were shot out possibly. Um, so it's people grabbing at them and like crying and it's just, and I'm sure that was true. I'm sure that's what happened, which mm-hmm. is crazy. It's crazy. And they kind of address that in the movie of how glamorous there are, but also just how ruthless they totally were. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it was good. It was fine. Interesting. That's what I expected. Like, I learned some things. <laughs> she had a laudanum addiction. I don't know what laudanum is. <laughs> um, a crazy it was like a painkiller that um i think it did have heroin in it <laughs> something that a doctor of the 1930s would prescribe <laughs> exactly that, as, that now we go we are horrified <laughs> when we realize what it is it would put never some happen. heroin on it it'll be fine mm, oh this does cure things <laughs> i'm horribly addicted to it <laughs> i'm gonna die soon but i don't feel anything it seems that i need it all the time now. but my gout is so much better <laughs> Okay, I I'm curious because I remember seeing something uh, a trailer for it or like a making of mm-hmm. little thing for it. And I'm like, okay, this feels like a thing that th- these people should have been doing this a long time ago. This, yeah. These actors, at least. Yeah. Oh yeah, They're totally. Watching them run is hilarious. <laughs> um, I'm gonna recommend it to my dad. Okay. <laughs> um, other things that I saw. Oh, in theaters, I saw Hotel Mumbai, um, which oh. is. Very, very thrilling and riveting and just a good movie. Um, Hotel Mumbai, it's uh, based on the 2008 uh, terrorist events that occurred in Mumbai, uh, where in which uh, several groups of extremists uh, went around the city and wound up killing about 200 people through just like gunfire and explosions. Mm -hmm. Um, But everything culminated at the uh, Hotel Mumbai, where they met up and essentially held the place siege and hostage for about 24 hours. Um, where in which, uh, the closest like SWAT team or, you know, special operations team Mm -hmm. was 800 miles away in New Delhi and it took them like, you know, hours to get there. So Mm -hmm. in the meantime, the staff of the hotel have to like help and protect the guests of the hotel and themselves, um, with like no weapons, no training, just like trying to shuffle people around from these guys who are, well-armed and Mm. well-organized and who are like kids 23 22 um but it's a pretty impressive cast of like dev patel uh army hammer uh i knew there was someone okay yeah uh, i knew they were i there were a couple people in there who i recognized but okay cool um nazaran banati um jason isaacs oh Um, i love jason isaacs uh and yeah it's it's really harrowing Mm. because they they do things um shot wise where it's just like oh they, they, they do an amazing job of tension and release mm. the first 20 minutes of that movie it's all tension and release oh, sure. where it's just like oh these are people going about their daily lives and you know that these terrorists are coming to do something yeah. and then okay we're back to like the daily lives like hey Dev Bell showed up like late to work with like no shoes and like you know he has to borrow shoes from like a friend or something like that and then it's like oh these guys like rolling into this cafe ready to shoot someone in the head yeah. and then like okay we're back at the hotel like this couple's checking Don't in tell me too much I'm not gonna say too much so far spoiling anything but what like what did you watch it on what I saw this in theaters actually oh, okay. like it came out fully uh on the 22nd of March oh okay but uh, there, I saw a uh, the release and talk back uh, with one of the stars of the movie. 
Um, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, available on our Instagram. I will post on that. Um, but I feel like they didn't advertise it very much. I saw one trailer. I don't think it is heavily advertised. Yeah. Um, it's it, it has the star power behind it. I think mm. the film quality behind it to be heavily advertised. Um, but yeah, it's riveting mm. and just like you're you're in the moment of the film the entire time. Like I I didn't want to turn my eyes away despite like the gruesome things that would happen sometimes. Yeah. Um, but it was a very enjoyable uh experience. Okay, cool. Yeah, I definitely recommend it. Who was at the talk? Um, uh, Nazaran Banati, who uh, the perfect person to speak on it as she's like a, an activist outside of just being an, oh, an actress. Nice. Um, and yeah, she was able to talk very intelligently and like you know deeply about the issues uh, that occurred. Um, it was pretty good and also really interesting Q and A afterwards. It was mm. like, oh, this is very tense. Um, oh, really? But she was able to like navigate it very well. Why was it tense? Uh, just questions being asked insofar as the people. Just like, why, why did you talk about this thing? Like, well, oh, wow. we couldn't talk about that because, or this is like an amalgam of several different people. And, and you just, can't cover everything in yeah. two hours. I mean, Lord. Yeah. So, enabled to like represent people that didn't feel represented. Like, oh, wow. she was able to speak very intelligently about that. Oof, that's tough. Mm-hmm. Um, what was, if there was something, um, what was the reason that these guys felt compelled to go and um just the political state of like between uh, relations between india and pakistan and okay. just the long running history of that yeah. Oh, okay yeah gotcha wow. um but yeah really good and definitely the trailer recommend. looked really good for it i didn't hear any i saw the trailer once and i heard nothing again yeah, I I didn't know too much uh, advertisement wise. Um, I remember like hearing about it. Um, a friend of mine asked me like to go check it out, and I was like, yeah, sure. They're like, I'll, I'll definitely go and see it. Yeah. Um, like the cast sounded awesome, and then like reading about the actual events that occurred like made me way more interested. Mm. And then actually seeing it, it's like this is riveting all the way through. Like man, like this is. Well, he felt kind of exhausted while he had the movie afterwards. Yeah. Just like man, that a lot occurred, and a lot of good things film-wise occurred, um, but terrible real-life things yeah. occurred to have this be able to happen. Um, I know. I think this this other movie got panned a lot by critics, um, but I think it's Thirteen Hours with John Krasinski. Oh yeah, yeah. It's called. Mm-hmm. But I, when you were talking about it, it reminded me of that of like a lot of tension and like things seem okay and then things are building up and building up mm-hmm. and you can feel it and then just shit goes crazy yeah there's people just fighting for their lives yeah um i think the difference in that between that and this though that these are not trained soldiers oh, yeah, <laughs> who yeah, are yeah. fighting back or defending themselves yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. um that's pretty much all i got um i've got one more thing all right uh i saw us uh jordan peele's oh. us um it was Good. I enjoyed it. Okay. I will say this, though. It felt like eating amazing junk food. It felt like eating a pizza and just be like, oh, my God, are those three different cheeses on this? <laughs> like, what kind of... Is this pepperoni fresh? Like, oh, my God. Like, this crust is so buttery and good. But then you finish it and it's just like, wait, uh, I'm not satisfied. I want more. What's... Wh- wh- I want more. What's... How How did you make this? What's in that pizza? What'd you put in that pizza? Like, you just want to know... Why did this movie? Ha- what ha- what are the logical events of this movie that occurred to have the things that happened happen? And I won't spoil anything. I won't you know throw anything out there that's going to make anyone just say like, ah, oh, you told me everything. But you know, I'll do that af- off mic because <laughs> I am never going to be able to see it because I can't do horror movies. But I want to know everything. 
Um, I would say, uh, you know, the, the premise of the film being this is a family on vacation uh, going to the Santa Cruz Pier, um, where the mother, played by Lupita Nyango, had been to many years before where a traumatic event occurred. Now, some 30 plus years later, uh, they are back and th- the events that occurred on that day back in 1986 are coming to fruition now. And it is a family dealing with it. Okay. Um, but yes, Winston Duke, who played Umbaku oh, uh, in Black Panther and Avengers Infinity War, is here playing her husband and he is hilarious. He's one of the nice. best parts of the movie awesome. insofar as just being like comedic relief. Um, Tim Heidecker and Elizabeth oh, no. Moss are also in the film <laughs> what? as a couple. Didn't see that coming. Um, and they managed to be very terrifying in their roles. Oh. Um, everyone, I would say, acting-wise is having an amazing amount of fun because everyone kind of gets to play two roles, sort yeah, of. Totally. Um, and be very different and also interact with themselves, kind of. So mm. from a filmmaking perspective, perspective, like the amount of like stand-in work that had to be done in like, you know, trick shots and it seems like it, it was an interesting Thing to craft. Oh yeah. Um, but I had a very fun time watching it. I have a lot of questions and maybe even problems mm. with some of the logic of the movie. Okay. Um, I would say that the movie is very detailed. I don't know if meticulous would be the proper word, but very detailed. Okay. Um, they leave a lot of breadcrumbs for you to like try to figure things out. But what I am wondering is, do the breadcrumbs actually mean anything? Okay. Um, there are a lot of thematic elements in the film, both both visually and societally speaking it's in there packed in there okay. um but you just wonder if for me at least does the symbolism really hold the weight of because of the logic of the film hmm, okay um but yeah i really enjoy it accent wise talking about um uh winston duke uh just <laughs> uh there are several times where it's like his accent is peaking he's from like tobago trinidad and tobago and just like I am very familiar with that accent. And it's like, dude, your accent is bad. Your American accent is not good. But like... Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. It's like, I can hear your real accent poking <laughs> through and just let it out. Because <laughs> it would make this even funnier. Oh, I didn't know that. Because he always... I mean, when he talks in real life, mm-hmm. it sounds like... I guess it sounds very watered down. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, and I think this is a version of that. Yeah, but I'm just like hearing it's like you, you're not doing a good job of hiding it. Like I like it, but like it, so it doesn't hurt your performance at all. It's just like I hear it and I like it. Let it out. I don't think I hear it as much because I don't know what I would be listening for. But mm-hmm. you are familiar with it, so you can totally hear it. That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> um, um, he's so lovely, and he's great. He's like one of the best. My favorite, one of my favorite parts of that movie. He seems like a really nice guy. Yeah, and I was just watching. Um, the breakdown or I was watching well I was just watching a bunch of stuff because all I do is watch stuff on YouTube um and I guess at some point because um they didn't want him to look like M'Baku because mm-hmm. who, I wouldn't be afraid if M'Baku was my <laughs> husband oh my god he could just kill anybody because he's so big so he had to like quote slim down which he's still enormous <laughs> um and so they tried to like nerd him nerd him up a little bit Mm -hmm. and so oh it was on jimmy kimmel i think and so by the end of it and like they gave him glass and stuff they basically were like you're 
too tough looking. We need to make you more like Jordan <laughs> and like nerd you down and stuff. Which I thought was great. You know, there are points where they were, he's probably doing a Jordan Peele impression. That's what they were saying. Like it kind of seems like you're doing a Jordan Peele impression. Like he was like, I didn't really intend to, but maybe I did because I'm supposed to not be Mbaku, um, which is great. It was really funny. Um, yeah, and I would say this is a world in the, the film at least where these characters have seen horror movies like they, yeah they, okay it's like this isn't like wildly a new experience for them it's like mm-hmm. no 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 I, I know i've seen horror movies i know how this works gotcha. like, which is nice and kind of refreshing actually yeah. um but yeah i would definitely recommend for people to go and see this movie i liked it a lot is it this is gonna seem like a dumb question but is it a proper horror movie it is a proper horror movie Were you did you find it scary um not really i think for me in looking at it i was trying to like figure out the threads of like where things connect so i wasn't my mind wasn't in the mode of like i'm here to be scared like no i'm here to figure things out god damn it oh okay it's how i approached it did you go into it knowing that that was i went into that assuming that'd be the case because get out is full of it insofar as like you know gotcha uh context and subcontext of like what's happening in a scene okay so i went in there specifically looking for that um but that being said there are moments that are i would say genuinely scary Hmm. but i didn't like jump out of my seat or anything like that i was like oh that's good good move nice nice (laughs) (laughs) um i would think that it would take a lot to scare you because you've seen so many horror movies no (laughs) um i guess it just depends on because in a horror movie for me it's not the sense of like you know oh this like scary killer is like terrifying what is really scary are more real situations for me. It's mm. like, oh my god, this seems like a very uncomfortable situation for you. <laughs> you have to like, ooh, no. <laughs> you have to like say these things to your boss? Ugh, no. You, you have an exam and you did study for <laughs> it? Yes, like those are nightmares for me <laughs> as opposed to like, someone's gonna kill me in my dreams. Like, oh no, I forgot this assignment. I'm 31. Like, I haven't been in high school in years, but it feels like, oh god. Um. So yeah, that is... uh. That is how I felt about the movie, so far as it scares a bit. Okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, did you like all the performances? Yes, uh, Lupriango did a really great job. Um, the perfect face. She has the perfect face. She is so gorgeous and so pretty. Um, and yeah, she's just doing a great job acting-wise as well, because she has the most to do, I think, in her dual role, mm. insofar as more so than anyone else in their dual roles. Um, but she was excellent in it. She was really good. And th- I think it's like the first movie that she's really like been the lead of. Mm. And she did a great job with that. How are the kids? The kids are fine. The yeah. kids are fun. Because um, that's a lot for a kid to do. Yeah. I was a little annoyed with one of the kids. Um, just like with his, uh, some character choices that the kid did. But um, in their dual duality, their dual mm-hmm. roles, whatever, he is night and day insofar as what he has to do. Oh, wow. Um, the, his, How like, old are the kids? Like... Uh, 10 and 13 I want to say that's a lot for a 10 year old to, yeah. to, as an actor like oof. I'd say he's like 9 or 10 or something like wow. that and he has to be very physical too mm. yeah he, it, they show him like crouching or something in a poster he's like crouching and spider walking like a no, lot no I hate spider walking <laughs> that's become a real thing and I don't like it and, oh god and like he really has to I think like you know be more physical than anyone else in that movie I mean, he's young. Little kids. <laughs> he's are, got joints little, that move well. Yeah, little kids have bones made of rubber. It's fine. <laughs> so I would say the kids had to be more physical than okay. the adults in this movie. Okay. Certainly. And there are more than just the two kid actors. There are other kid actors that appear in oh, it wow. as well. 
And I would say all throughout, those kids are really good. There's a younger version of Peter Nyango that's very good. Mm. Uh, there are two twins that, like, you know, are very Ooh, good as well. twins are scary. They're definitely, like, supposed to be, like, a reference to The Shining. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, but, like, they're absolute brats and <laughs> horrible Well, people. yeah, they're children. I hate children. <laughs> There's, like, four in the world that I like. The rest of them just like, get away from me. Um, cool. So did it live up to the hype? Do you I feel like? think it lived up to the hype, but in certain ways it might not have. Again, I think there are some logic issues okay. that are happening there that are taking me out of it. And maybe I just need to like look at it again and maybe it'll, I'll figure it out. Or maybe it's not really there to be worried about necessarily. Mm-hmm. But for me, there were just some logic issues. I were just like, ah, oh, this is stopping it from me from liking it as much as I want to. Okay. But I really did enjoy it. Nice. Yeah. Uh, assignment time? Yeah, assignment time. Um, I also, so your assignment was a simple favor. Mm-hmm. I also watched it, so maybe I'll do mine first and then we can talk. Sure, sure, favor. sure. Um, okay, so I watched Eight Legged Freaks, mm-hmm. which was exactly what I thought it would be. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, when was it made? Uh, 2002. It feels like it. <laughs> um, yeah. It's uh, David Arquette and weirdly a Scarlet, young Scarlett Johansson and a Matt Zuckery who was uh, in uh, Gilmore Girls. Oh. So I was excited to see him. <laughs> um, he hasn't aged, which is weird. I think he might be on like Scandal or how to, no. Oh, what's the murder one? How to get away with murder? Yep. I got that mixed up with how to make a murder. That's not it. <laughs> yes, how to get away with murder. How he's to on... make a scandalous murder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, he's on one of those type of shows. Um, and as a fan of arachnids, um, it was fun. <laughs> um, so it's this little kid who's kind of annoying. Um he has a, he has a creepy older man friend which would never get away you could never get no, away with that can't and, make that movie anymore no <laughs> also the kid wears way too much khaki yes <laughs> he has a very like hard part in his hair that's like you do that with purpose like oof, relax um so uh, he this little this like 10 year old kid is friends with this weird reclusive like 40 to 50 year old man um who just has a home full of spiders um the there was some toxic waste in a barrel because that's how you always travel with toxic waste Mm -hmm. or whatever um that ends up in like this little like pond or whatever at the side of the road which is right next to spider-man's house the spider creep yes (laughs) Um, and so there are crickets around the pond and he was feeding the crickets to the spiders and that's how they all, uh, grew overnight basically, um, and take over this small town. Um, and so they're all just fighting against the spiders. Um, uh, yep. That's what happens. <laughs> and, uh, they end up in a mall, which I feel like is fitting of the time also. Mm-hmm. I don't think that would happen now because I think malls are pretty kind of going out of business which is weird in their case the mall was about to go out of business that's true actually that mall was (laughs) but even today like i don't think you would see as many movies with mall settings which is a big 80s and 90s thing because malls aren't as much of a thing anymore because of the internet which is a weird 
like kind of milestone in terms of cinema but mm-hmm. it's not going to really be around anymore um but it, it was fun and silly um and yep but Dave, i don't know david arquette is yelling a whole bunch and david shooting arquette things. as a leading man is hilarious <laughs> <laughs> um but it's the kind of movie where it's like okay fine yeah that's <laughs> the only type of here. movie that he could be a leading man in because he's still kind of a goof um yeah uh, it was fine it was fine it was fun i think it's a totally fine sunday afternoon movie yeah like you got nothing else to do you want to like relax and like turn your brain off for an hour and a half watch eight-legged freaks it was funny i appreciate that like they also try to teach you about spiders a little bit at the beginning mm-hmm. of like these ones jump but these ones do this thing. they do the groundwork of like laying out like yeah. these are the kind of spiders you're gonna see these guys come out from the ground and yeah. pull things down into the ground yeah. like oh. this is a big old one <laughs> <laughs> what's it do it's just big it's just big it's really big <laughs> um so that was fun yeah i enjoyed it it mm-hmm. was light and silly and um the graphics while not great were not as terrible as some things from that time fine for the time they held up a little bit better than some stuff which mm-hmm. i was kind of surprised by especially because um as you pointed out uh a lot of it was at night yeah and so they look better at night um so yeah it was a fun silly little romp good i'm glad you enjoyed it i did <laughs> Um, for my assignment, uh, I was asked to watch a simple favor. Oh, I watched it too. <laughs> I watched it yesterday, and I straight up we have a mutual friend, Rachel, and she uh, asked me to watch this movie because she was just like, "I watched it. I don't know how I feel about it. It's very confusing." You know what, Rachel? I'm on the same page. Same Z's, Jason. <laughs> so I, um, oh come on, load I. I basically was texting her last night, but it was like live tweeting. <laughs> Look at this. I was just like, what? What is, what is <laughs> oh happening? So, so much. So many texts to her. Um, so we're going to spoil the shit out of this movie. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I texted her the whole time being like, what the fuck? And she was asleep like a normal person <laughs> while I was watching this goddamn movie. Because um, it was bonkers. And I called it, I will show this to you, oh, no, where to go, um, because I wanted to say that I called it from the beginning. <laughs> um, um, look at the second text down from there. This is not great for a podcast. I swear to Christ, if she has a twin sister or something, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> <Guess> <laughs> this is what? about She had a twin fucking sister. <laughs> god damn it and i was so proud of myself for calling it and at at the end i was like rachel i swear my life i legit called that i was watching this in real time i'm amazing (laughs) amazing (laughs) my (sighs) opinion on the movie is like all right, so I started off just like being just very incredulous are you serious come on but then somewhere around the middle i was like wait a minute <laughs> is this just like a high budget lifetime movie like because that's kind of what it is like yeah, it is and it's weird because lifetime kind of killed the ability for these movies to exist in theaters in the sense of like oh yeah it's just always like b-grade garbage but really mm-hmm. it's like this is b-grade but i don't know if it's garbage necessarily it's it, it looks nice mm-hmm. and also 
I've never been so attracted to Blake Lively in my Neither life. Neither have I. I mean, she's oh, she's very pretty. She Don't get me bewitched wrong. me in this movie. Jason, yes. As <laughs> soon as she steps out of that car, that Porsche in the fucking pouring rain in that amazing suit, I was, I was like, about it. I was like, damn. Like Ryan Reynolds, get it, bro. <laughs> I was like, "Ugh, Ryan Reynolds, you don't deserve her. You treat her well, or I will kill you." I, she is. It's that that hair. She looks amazing. She is, stunning. and I never cared about her before. I was like, "Okay, yeah, she's like, uh, uh, she's a traditionally attractive lady, yes. whatever." But I was like, "I'm about tradition now." <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. What I felt the same way. I was just like, it made me angry because like. Everyone wants to feel that beautiful when they walk out of a car, but nobody does. Not like that. <laughs> God damn you, Blake Lively. <laughs> um, so Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively are the main characters. Uh, Anna Kendrick is just this kind of overachieving um, mom, and uh, Blake Lively has some fancy PR job for a big time mm-hmm. like clothes designer guy. Um, and she's kind of more of the aloof um, mom to her kid. They each have a young son who go to school together. And Anna Kendrick is single because her mm-hmm. husband and brother died in a car accident. <laughs> yeah. Um, together. Together. And she's living off the insurance money from her husband's death. Yes. Um, and she befriends uh, Blake Lively uh, through the through the daycare because her sons are friends as yeah. well. So their sons become their sons become friends. They have a play date over at Blake Lively's place, and Blake Lively and Andrew Kendrick get to know each other mm-hmm. a little bit too well at the start, like yeah. um, revealing their deeper, darker secrets to each other, kind mm-hmm. of. Um, and then moving from there into them becoming friends, and then one day. Uh, Blake Lively asks Anna Kendrick to take care of her kid for like you know a couple hours, and then she just disappears only to find out later that she's been murdered mm. or she's dead mm-hmm. um, they find her dead in a lake found her dead in a lake and then and she was married to again henry henry Golding, henry Golding. looking <laughs> real good i'm real about him um i think it's the english accent if it wasn't for the english accent i wouldn't find him nearly as attractive <laughs> but that accent is nice um and so he they had a weird marriage um but anna kendrick steps in to help him because uh, with the him and his son and then they kind of end up romantically entangled if you will yes um basically she starts sleeping with henry Wu. oh sorry uh i was like henry Wu. <laughs> henry golding excuse me <laughs> Not- mr henry Wu, constance <laughs> and he got married yes he changed his name <laughs> bucking tradition Harry Golding and Anna Kendrick are hooking up, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, the son keeps saying things like, "I saw mom today." Mm-hmm. Like, what's what's this kid saying? He's, he's seen mom. Like, she's dead. Actually, not. Um, she's alive, and she is coming back to kick Anna Kendrick out of the picture, get her son back, and get millions of dollars. Apparently, four million dollars worth of life insurance. Money. Because here comes the convolutedness. She put out a life insurance plan on herself naming her husband as her beneficiary and because she is now dead husband can collect that money and they're gonna live together only one that's a problem now is anna kendrick mm-hmm. um but anna kendrick takes it upon herself to find out what is actually going on here so she goes back to the childhood home uh of blake lively figures out that she is uh a twin mm-hmm. um and figured out that you know 
her sister. Goddamn twin. Yep. It's always the fucking twin. Mm-hmm. And you, the reason I was able to call it was a twin is because when they find her body in the lake, like she's clearly like has a drug habit and stuff, and it. It was her, but it wasn't her. Mm-hmm. So, like, it had to be a twin. I just figured as soon as the kid said, like, I saw my mom today, like, is this some prestige shit? Like, what's happening here? <laughs> I feel like a prestige situation going on here. Yes, <laughs> it was. Um, and I was right. It was a prestige situation. Um, I wrote down here, it's a goddamn prestige. <laughs> <laughs> um, some weird, but yeah, so they find that out. And then ultimately, Anna Kendrick is able to, like, live stream because she's a live streaming mom. Uh, who puts all of her stuff on the internet, I was able to discover that, hey, like, you know, Blake Lively confessed to, like, you know, killing her own sister, mm-hmm. and the internet can see it, and she's going to jail, and Henry Wu can now be free with her, his own son, and Anna Kendrick can now live her own life with her own son and have a successful vlog. Which, like, she keeps the house. She had moved into Henry Golding's house, mm-hmm. but she keeps that house, and I was like, fucking... <laughs> There had to be a lot of legal proceedings. How did you end up keeping this house? It is. The or did he just gift it to you? Like, you know, now he's doing okay in Los Angeles or whatever. Maybe the vlog took off and she bought the house. I don't know. That was a very expensive house in Connecticut. Uh, it was a weird roller coaster of betrayal, convoluted plot points. And, and comedy? And comedy. It was funny at points. It really was. Like when Blake Car- Like what... I was confused from the start because as soon as Blake Lively first, I was, I was shocked, and as Jason said, bewitched by Blake Lively <laughs> showing up. I was like, oh, feelings. And then she gets to the school, and she's really funny mm-hmm. and sarcastic and like a very dark sense of humor. And I was confused. Like I remember writing down here that this movie is, is so totally weird. It's entertaining. Is it a comedy thriller? Is it a comedy erotic thriller? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> it, it dips its toes into a lot of different pots. Yeah. And it's just very... Pots? I don't know. <laughs> uh, the sickness is taking Yes, it over. is blending things together that shouldn't be blended together. It's very confusing. <laughs> and I don't know... Because it is. It's comedic. Like, at the end, Blake Lively gets... Randomly gets hit by a car, like, Mean Girl style. And you're just yeah. like, What? Um, but then there's like the thriller aspect, like Anna Kendrick is moves into the house and she takes all of Blake Lively's clothes out of the closet Mm -hmm. and then she comes back in and they're all back there. And I genuinely screamed and was, I was shook, Jason. (laughs) It it scared me and I was deeply disturbed by it like a horror movie. But there were parts where it's like, oh my God, like this is like a weird thriller. Like Anna Kendrick orchestrate her death because like she's putting on her clothes, but then like she can't get out of the dress because she's stuck, the zipper's stuck. And then she has an interview with the police in this dress like a crazy person, which is pretty funny. Yeah. Like what the, it's so totally weird. And then she and Blake Lively are making out and you're like, huh? And then, like, the revelation of, like, actually, Anna Kendrick had sex with her brother. Yeah. Like, and that her child may be her brother's child. Like, what? what? <laughs> it, is, it is so much. It's a lot they're throwing at you in this movie. And I have to say, my favorite character was the detective guy, who yes. was really funny. Uh, Bahir Salahadeen, um, who's on Glow and uh, was as a referee. That's who he... I was like, <laughs> why is he so familiar looking? He was so funny. And when his character popped up again, I was like, yes! <laughs> I really he liked him. He's fantastic. He is... He and Ike Barinholtz steal the movie Snatched. Like, they're, all of their scenes together are amazing. What movie? Snatched? Snatched. The, um... Uh, the Goldie Hawn and, um... Oh. 
what's Amy her name? Schumer. Amy Schumer movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it has a pretty interesting cast. It's uh, you know Anna Kendrick, Blake Lively, uh, Henry Golding, Andrew Reynolds yep. is in it, and he's, he's funny, hilarious. Yeah. Um, Nanterl is in it, and she's funny. Um, Linda Cardellini shows up again, for... another Cardellini, <laughs> being like a punk artist, punk artist that used to date Blake Lively, and mm-hmm. it's just like, what is going on? <laughs> And now she paints knives. Yes, she paints knives. Paintings of knives, not painting on knives. Yes. It's Let's a very, very separate clear. thing. <laughs> and also a weird, funny thing. Like, that's a weird, fun thing. Okay, cool. Sure. Um, the soundtrack is so weird. It's like a lot of 70s French pop. French, but it's like really catchy. Yeah. It, it's, there are so many things. It's Paul a weird ass movie. <laughs> which was also surprising yeah and i guess like you know you want to he, he's definitely like expanding and just saying like, i want to do this weird thing because yeah. i can just like hey jordan peele can expand and do a weird thing because he can like you don't have to make a comedy no one said you have to yeah no but it's just a weird movie it's a weird movie i, I sometimes horror movies do have they have to have some um like comedic relief mm-hmm. but this does it in a different way that it's not kind of like flippant remarks. It's like clearly very written and like intentional. Yes. So, it, but it doesn't. It throws off the tone a little bit, but not not a ton. It doesn't take me out of it too much, but mm-hmm. it does a little bit. Mostly that car at the end. I was like, what? Like is the that? gun standoff that led into like you know her being hit by the car. Her being hit by a car. And then Anna Kendrick being very funny and being like, ooh, ooh, you just got hit by a car. It looks like it hurts. Maybe you shouldn't be yeah. like trying to do that. And like they're, unlike some movies, like it is genuinely funny, mm-hmm. but just in like very dramatic scenes, it's it's a real brain twister. <laughs> and that's to say, not like I had a bad time watching it because like I was mm-hmm. interested the entire way. It's just this is a weird ass movie. For the first half an hour, I was like, I I watched half an hour and I paused to see how much was left, and I was just like, I think it was at least another hour, if not hour and a half, and I was like, no, <laughs> I don't want to keep watching this. But then things start to move again, and you are into it. And I particularly enjoyed when Anna Kendrick is um, trying to figure things out, and she's it moves around a bit more instead mm-hmm. of just being between like the school and the house or whatever. She kind of it turns into a detective thing and she goes off to try to track stuff down and find out what's going on. And that was really fun and interesting. There's just so much. And also the movie is set like 90% in Fairfield, Connecticut. Yeah. <laughs> that means anything to anyone. It does to me, James. <laughs> How do you know it's Fairfield? That's what they said. Like, Oh, they the said it was Fairfield. Yeah. Oh, I missed it. That's oh, what they said. I mean, yeah, I lived in Fairfield. Well, there you go. All this is happening so, in your backyard, all this intrigue, and Blake Lively was there, and you didn't even know. It's a setting that fits for the for fanciness. white suburban lady problems. Yes. Yeah. yeah, 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 totally. Um. So, yeah, it was it was a weird movie yeah <laughs> that i still don't know how i feel about it because again we were we were obviously entertained yeah but at the same time is it a good movie mm-hmm. and i'm still thinking about it <laughs> and i still want to know what that french music was <laughs> <sighs> uh, but that was a roller coaster of a movie it was like we have feelings but so many nothing was set in stone <laughs> rachel you got me with this one i get it i don't know 
I need I need more people to watch it. I think they got like an eighty six percent. Not that it means anything necessarily, but mm-hmm. on Rotten Tomatoes, it got eighty six percent. Critics liked it, apparently. I guess like... somebody liked it. <laughs> I didn't dislike it. <laughs> but um, bonkers. But yeah, um, I guess yeah. What I have things for you for next time? <laughs> We're still getting over this. Um. <laughs> um I have you seen you haven't seen Apollo thirteen yet, right? I've actually not seen Apollo thirteen all the way through, so I can't say I've seen see- it. I've seen parts of it. Oh, but not the whole thing. No. Um, that was that's gonna be my assignment for you because I rewatched it. Okay. Um, I think while I was away, um, and it's just such a good movie. <laughs> all right, I will check out Apollo thirteen finally. And I think you will like it. Um, for you. Yes. Finally getting to this after about a year doing this podcast. Oh. As it is, tis the season. It is the week of WrestleMania. A oh. high holy holiday for me. Oh, yes. Many blessings. So for this. <laughs> I don't know what the usual prayer or whatever that goes with <laughs> WrestleMania Several time. Several woos and a nice <laughs> chug of beer perhaps. Um, I will have you watch. And I will watch this with you. Uh, we'll choose a time and place. I'll have you watch... Uh, NXT TakeOver uh, 2014. Um, it is a one of the most concise and explainable shows that I could think of. Okay, cool. Um, that is very fun and feels like a movie from start to finish. Okay. Where characters are explained. Um, there's an arc that happens throughout the show mm-hmm. um, that makes sense and is totally understandable. And okay. I think it's a great entry point uh, for someone to check this out. May I borrow your pen? Yes. Usually I write down what my assignment is. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the name of it. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to put wrestling thing because <laughs> well, I don't know what you just said. There were numbers and letters, I'm pretty sure, which is confusing. Um, cool. Wrestling thing. Yes. Got it. And we'll watch it and we'll talk about it. Oh, boy. We're going to go through this, finally. <laughs> <laughs> How am I? How am I watching this? Um, through the WWE Network. Okay. Um, I'll give you my what? login oh, and boy. all the things. Oh, you're watching it with me. Oh yes, yes. Okay. We're gonna watch this. Okay. Yes. Oh boy. This I would not have you go down this dark alley alone. You, you need a shepherd. I do. Um, my wrestling Sherpa. <laughs> Take me there. But yeah, that's that's <sighs> that's this week. Uh, it's a long one. Thank you guys it for is. sitting with us and uh, and listening uh, and enjoying and deciphering. All the things that we've watched. Go watch a simple favor. Do watch a simple have favor. Have your mind melted. Yes, it is one of curiosity. Hey, if any of you have shows out there or movies out there that you're trying to figure out and want someone else to have a, a second shot at, let us know. And do you want to confuse me? Also, <laughs> let's do it. Let's all be confused together and if try to figure, these figure it out. If you can't figure it out, chances are I can't either. <laughs> So, uh, again, yeah, send them in. Let us know. Uh, Thank you for listening. And we will see you guys next time. Bye.